find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Today we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. I know I often come across like a poor, uneducated piece of trash, piece of shit on this podcast, but today's episode really supports that notion. If you ever wanted to hear someone say some incredibly poignant and well-thought-out things while someone else, i.e. me, makes poo-poo pee-pee jokes in between, well, hell, you got yourself a Podcastio episode, man. That's right, we are discussing 1939's Midnight as we honor Don Amici. I hope I'm saying his name right. And honestly, a couple other dope mustaches are in this film as well. So there's just, it's, I was shocked. I mean, 1939, yeah, there were mustaches, but believe it or not, kind of hard to find in some of those 30s films. I brought in the wonderful Brody Black to do all the actual research and legwork and... <laughs> You know, all the important stuff that, like, nerds like. All for this discussion, and she kicks ass at it. Well, without further ado, let's fall in love at first sight, ignore that stupid feeling, and use our master con skills to get a rich man to marry us. Then, in the end, fall in love with the poor guy after a bit of court drama. Now, I'm sure none of that makes sense to you, but I don't give a... Damn, 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 Now, play that shit theme song. It's the Mustachio Podcast, you we're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips, it's the Mustachio Podcast, you. What is up? your host of the Mustachio Podcastio, Daniel J. Segura. And today I have a longtime friend of the Podcastio. She's a connoisseur of, of uh, old film and mustaches and cutting hair. <laughs> She's multi-talented. The more I get to know her, the more I realize how like much I've wasted my time with of, <laughs> not learning anything. Uh, her name is Brody. How's it going, Brody? It is wonderful. It's been too long. It has been a little bit. It's good to have you back, and and you brought with you this this film entitled uh, Midnight from 1939, and apparently apparently there's another Midnight from 1934. Weird. <laughs> they were like, "Fuck it, you know what? We're gonna do this again. I don't care if they had a fucking movie called Midnight." They steamrolled Bogart, which is like, uh, like, dude, he made the movie first with Midnight, and then they're like, "Okay, we can we can still do this." <laughs> And the, do the, are the movies very different? Oh, God, yes. Oh, I mean, they both end up at the courtroom. Interesting. But <laughs> but they're very different. Bogart was a huge villain early on in his career, and he, it's him being an evil kind of villainish kind of person. Okay, okay. Yeah, I kind of like that. I got to say, that is one thing about this film, uh, and, and we'll, we'll kind of get into some of the fun facts about this, because I know you have a lot of information on it, but I definitely did not expect this to end up in a courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last thing when we get to the car i was like what the fuck this movie never goes anywhere you think it's going to yeah um i, I actually saw this at tarantino's theater in the new beverly and his lineup mm. of movies is absolutely bananas i'm seeing switchblade sisters like in thursday wow. um yeah no it's it's a great lineup they they <laughs> did it. um a drew barrymore adam sandler double feature like oh, he just yeah. plays whatever he wants so I like, like that. Oh, it's great. It's like going to your best friend's house and like they're like, he's like, look, I'm just gonna put it on and you're like it, and you will. <laughs> and if you don't, 
fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> Definitely. They have this really aggressive policy where if they catch you, look at your phone, they just tell you to fucking leave and never come back. <laughs> I deeply adore this. That's a good policy. Except for I ended up with like gutter punk Timothy Chamolet sitting right next to me. And like this motherfucker was actually taking bumps during the movie. Wait, and the like, actor? <laughs> no, no, no. Like a gutter oh, punk. Oh, he person. looks like him. Okay. No, no, no. Like if Timothy Chamolet was a gutter punk and smelled like one, <laughs> he would be, that would be him. I didn't know. Maybe he's a gutter punk behind the scenes of life or something. I, I don't know. Okay. So this is a, wow. So he, he, this frail looking guy. <laughs> with, yeah. With uh, his great hair. With the great hair. Yes. <laughs> Just take a goddamn bumps during the movie. And he's laughing, but at all the wrong moments. Oh God. I hate that. But it, it was a really like I want to turn him in, but it's too amusing to actually <laughs> to actually tell them this is a problem. <laughs> I've been I've been a I've been over to the movies with someone that like I genuinely really love somebody that just enjoys the movie and it's as if they're watching it you know at home by themselves. But where it's like kind of when you're at a comedy show, like a stand up comedy show, and and the person you're with just laughs a little louder than everybody else, it's it gets a little awkward. But I'm like, I don't want to tell them anything. Just let them do their thing. You know, they everyone's different. Like, you deserve that joy in life if you can't do yeah. that with the point. I did that all throughout bros. Like, I was the obnoxiously loud person. Yeah. You know, everyone's got to just accept it. Like, this is entertainment. It's a public space. Let me express myself. You know, if I want to laugh like a fucking drunk goat, let me do it. <laughs> uh, so you brought Midnight. What? uh <laughs> What what uh what made you want to bring this? I mean, obviously, there's a hell of a mustache. There's a couple of mustaches. Oh, there's film, a couple but... really fantastic. I'm so excited to find out who the you actually picked because like there's two giant powerhouses in this movie. It's like mustaches. Yeah. I decided to go Don because I think his performance is amazing. It's the first film I've ever seen with him in it. I'm pretty sure because I obviously oh it's have not... not. I can assure you. It's oh wait, not. is he in another? <laughs> oh, he's in a okay. Um, Harry and the Hendersons, um, oh, yeah. the that dog and cat movie, The Amazing and Incredible Adventure. He's the voice oh, of the dog. Yeah. He does have he's, a very good voice. He's like ninety in that movie. He's in the Golden Girls. Um, Incredible. He's his career is massive, and in fact, a lot of it's his late career. You would actually know. Like, yeah, I'm sure he trickled. You know, he's trickled throughout my childhood here and there. He was you in know? Cocoon. Oh shit! One and two. Man, and all he no, wanted he... to do was get in Eve's cocoon. <laughs> um, so I picked this movie because uh, it's a terrifically outstanding piece of early Hayes code where they do have moral clauses here they, that they have to enforce because of of like people actually, the board reviewing this and then, you know, editing mm. it. Um, but yeah. it actually includes some very salacious scenes. It talks about the idea of extramarital relationships. It talks about the idea of both sex and nudity. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it touches some stuff that even ends up later on in Parasite. Like, this is a terrifically <laughs> modern movie. And I kind of wish there were more screwballs. Yeah, yeah. It could have had a little bit more. I, I think just when you start you know, just when you're like, oh, I could really use one, they'll, they'll throw you a good little, a little something, a little curveball, which is fun, you know. Yeah, like this is a, this is a subgenre called screwball comedies that basically was common in the 30s and 40s, and after that they stopped making them. It's the same way, like technically speaking, mm -hmm. they could have 
forever kept making like grindhouses, but they stopped. And so now for most people, there's grindhouses and like neo grindhouses, like they're mimicking, but they aren't it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, I know it's kind of a bummer. I, I would like to, I think, um, you know, like my man Godfrey had a few kind of, I, I'm not sure if that's considered screwball comedy, but it de- definitely had some of that energy of kind of silliness in that, it's almost like you're in the real world, but it's kind of also slightly cartoonish in a way. It's, it's a madcap feeling of like, you don't know where it's going to go. And yeah. Claudette Colbert is great. Um, the person who did the opening for the movie here, like at the movie theater, and was positively terrific because he opens the movie by going like, it's a 1939 movie. I He's like, by the way, I worked in New York and I cataloged all of her performances on radio. And then I sent it to her because she lived on the Upper East Side. And then her butler called me. And then, like, so we started talking once a week. And then she asked me up if, like, I wanted to go on a week vacation in, like, Barbados with her. He's like, but I didn't go because, like, I don't want my friends to think I was trying to fuck a 90-year-old. I'm like, that's Claudette Colbert. Just go ahead. Yeah, I would totally go. But he's telling the story in front of, like, he said this in front of everyone. There's, like, 150 people. I'm like, I would not announce the shot I did not shoot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I'm trying to think of what an equivalent, you know, actress or uh, entertainer. Like, if I like, I would want, like, I would actually want to go and hang out with them on a vacation in their like 90s, you know, 80, 80 something years old. I don't, there's a few out there. I'm sure I would be willing to shoot the shit with. You know, okay. how about you? She Do you have any? Him. She was gonna fly him. That's fucking cool. Like, I would, uh, I would totally love that. And stay on the compound. Like, she has a compound. He's good. She's going to fly you there. He's like, well, I was afraid I would have, might have to have sex with her. He's like, I want to have sex with her. I'm like, oh, this is such a weird It's a weird intro. Yeah. Um, and Fred Astaire. If I could have fucked Fred Astaire in Ooh. my 20s, I would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, you would have really gotten him. Oh, I actually, one of my... Uh, <laughs> when I went to nursing school and one of my teachers actually repaired his arm after he broke it when he was skate like skateboarding with his son like his grandson that's fucking crazy and i was like i was this close so close (laughs) oh man damn it you know there's always the ones you wish you could just have one second swing at but it just doesn't always happen um and then you tell 150 people I know it's the intro for me because I, I I bought the DVD because uh, like you were you were right it, this is a very difficult film to find just for streaming you know um, you can find little clips and stuff but I was like you know what I do like to buy the DVD of some of the films that I cover I feel like it's you know it's it's just nice to have them like and it's cool to see them on my shelf like oh look I covered this one this one this one so I bought this one and this one comes with its own little introduction I can't remember who it's from but it's like a guy that talks like this that's and... Robert Osborne that's who it was yeah Robert Osborne and he gives quite a little intro uh he, he gives you some little fun bits about the production apparently was a little uh bumpy oh absolutely I mean first of all Mary Astor is pregnant I like I was like her expanding torso and I'm like I feel like it's an abdomen but cool I know and they did a decent <laughs> job of like she's really draped out like a lot so it does help uh, that fur jacket was really cool like the one she had like tucked into like the little pinafore yeah the fashion uh, uh, just like every other film you ever you always want to like you ever bring to the show the fashion is impeccable like I even the cabbie clothes look fucking amazing to me i, I want to look like the cabbie 
That's like some steampunk peak. Right? The cool hat, and they just kind of flop it on. It's always kind of like at, a, at an angle. Jaunty. Yeah. And I just like how they, the, they always have, like, they have the leather jackets, and, like, they have also, like, a, t- a top coat if it's raining, and... It's just really nice. I like I like all of it. I even like the 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 way the richer people dress. By the way, just like uh, my man Godfrey, this is another movie that reminds me that I did not come from much because I'm like <laughs> I, I half the shit they talk about. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, but but think how far we've come. Remember, at some point, True. besides two shirts, three handkerchiefs, like two shirts, no problems. Like yes, <laughs> like he's keeping it simple. He understands yeah. that, like, you have one shirt to change out of when the first one gets dirty, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, because basically the, this film is like a, it's like you said, it's a screwball comedy, but it's also kind of a rom-com in a way uh, before rom-coms where, you know, it's it's kismet. He, he meets this, this, he meets this woman that is sort of like just an adventurous woman just going like on her own and very independent and just kind of trying to find her way into finding some money because she didn't come from much. She's from New York and uh, this guy who believes in a very simple life and and not having to worry about impressing anybody, just having just enough to get by every single day, and and just them having that totally different mentality, but kind of the same type of beginning, and him trying to convince her, like, hey, come on, it's not that bad. We could, you know, we. <laughs> okay, and I stand by this movie is still like Parasite. Yeah, like, people, all the rich want to fuck like the poor, but they want to keep living like the rich. Yes, that is interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, the poor have all the sense of life, but the rich have all the comfort. Yeah, I think poor sex is hotter for sure. Oh, it has to be. No, it, it absolutely people have is. way hotter sex. Fantastic sex. Working can be such a drag, but it's a necessary evil. What better way to combat the woes of the working world than to commiserate with your fellow man? I'm Jay. And I'm Kay. And we're the hosts of Fuck My Work Life, a comedy podcast where we share people's stories from the workplace. Whether they're funny, weird, scary, or just plain messed up, they're always entertaining and may leave you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Available on all major podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Your sanity may just depend on it. Is there's a there's a through line though like i think depending on how poor you get I, i'm not sure how good the sex gets after a while but i would say you know your standard low income <laughs> grouping of people probably having some really great sex you know? i stand by this like i i've done high i've done low i will always take low every single day i haven't i've never had relations with a uh, a rich person i don't know i don't think nope the weird snobbery is absolutely outlandish yeah Mm. maybe that's who i'll maybe if i ever do that it'll be because i happen to be invited to a vacation by some very rich old entertainer you can trade i mean there's no longer betty white but i'm certain there's still someone left yeah there's a couple out there left i'm sure betty white would have been fun she would have yeah she Yeah, I don't know why she never got a husband after her first husband passed. My mom always says that because she likes to watch this game show and her her husband um, used to host it. I forget what it's called, but he used to host a game show like in the 70s and early 80s. And she's like, yeah, I don't know why she just never 
got remarried. I'm like, I don't know. She was uh, one and done. She was like, you know what? I'm just, I don't want to go through that again. He passed away and that sucked. I don't want another dead husband. Cause she knew, I think she knew deep inside she was going to be here for a while. I mean, honestly, like sometimes you get it really correct the first time because you always yeah. used to make the joke about Gracie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that couple, that couple genuinely loved each other. Um, at one yep. point he did actually cheat on her and she found out and like, and she's like, he's like, gosh, she never found out. I bought her like a new chandelier. Um, and uh, one time he picks up the phone when she's taking a call and Gracie's like, I wish she'd cheat on me again. I could use a different chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Fucking but chandelier what- for cheating. Holy shit. That is not cheap. But but eventually, like when she she passed and they wanted to name a street after him, what actually happened is um, he's like, hey, um, I mean, you're supposed to name after dead people in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, and um, Gracie should have always gone to first and top billing. Uh, so nice. and Burns and Allen, George Burns absolutely went to bat for her. George Burns, is he is he the guy that's known for having a. Big no, you're thinking of you're thinking of of Milton Burrell. <laughs> OK. No, George Burns does have one really great quote about dicks, and the quote is, after 90, sex is like shooting pool with rope. <laughs> uh, I hope someone says that about me after I'm dead. They're like, Daniel had this one really good quote about dicks. <laughs> so anyway, so yes. I, I'll say up the, up top, you know, if 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 for those of y'all that are listening, if you've never seen Midnight, specifically this one from 1939, please give it a watch. But by the the DVD is like, I don't know, it was like eight dollars or something. Just buy the fucking DVD or find a way to watch it. I don't care, but give it a watch. It's actually super fun. I was telling Brody that um, when I watched it, she recommended I just give it a full free watch first without taking notes. So I took her advice and. I watched it with my mom and I was like, ah, this won't have anything too crazy. And, and, you know, although my mom does like to watch like those weird, like British murder shows. So I'm sure she's seen some shit anyway. So fuck it. So I threw it on and my mom genuinely thought it was going to be boring as fuck. Like she was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really want to see this. I was like, just give it a chance. Like give it a chance. She, She ended up loving it. We were laughing and having a good time. It was good. So she, my mom highly recommends this film and so do I. So if you haven't seen it, give it a watch just gonna say that up top and you're not the first mom to like you're not the first mom to say this because i was watching with my friend's mom and like she also had extremely low expectations but i did show her a couple of grindhouses by this point some <laughs> really out there grindhouses like a movie <laughs> called best friends it's fantastic um and the, so she knew if i was watching it's it probably something good she went low expectations and then she's like yeah that's not what i expected <laughs> No, and it, and, it, and it really is like you can't this is a classic don't judge the book by its cover because it, it does look like you're it does have just sort of a generic look to it when you're when you first seeing it the, the the title of the film doesn't really give you much any of anything so you, you don't really know what's going on but the uh, characters really carry the film everyone has their own specific style their own personality and all together as one it it's a really good hodgepodge of fun because everyone's a little bit different um personally i i really liked uh that marcel character oh he's about me that's an absolutely terrific story so you'll see marcel that's rex o'malley, rex O'Malley. he lived his entire life as an openly gay man 
Wow. Like, he is a queer-coded yeah. character. He's actually a blatantly queer character, and it's fantastic. He got to yeah. actually live his whole life that way, and this is the movie, again, from 1939. Wow. And, yeah. And <laughs> he is awesome in this film, though. It's so wonderful to get to see, like, this sort of queer happiness and joy. Yeah. Like, Expressing, like, yeah. He just expresses himself. and Yeah, it. and he still has a legacy. The crazy thing I was on Turner Classic Movies, they only list him by his works, and I'm like his life is extraordinary that it existed. Yeah, no, that's true. I would like to know more about him now. Like that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I just, just from watching the film, I I thought his delivery kind of has like a Paul Rubens thing going on. If he was like never Pee Wee Herman and just like <laughs> did serious like, comedy stuff. Like, uh, but like, he just has this, uh, I don't know, this, this vibe about him where he's just, you can tell he, he was probably born incredibly rich and had this incredibly rich life, but a lot of it just bores the shit out of him. So he sees the little bits of entertainment in in the little dark hidey holes of of his environment, you know, which is kind of how it all, they all come together anyway. Um, But yeah, I, I like the way the movie kicks off. It's quick. You get the fun little light shit. Like, why did they, they seem like they put way more uh, effort in credits back then (laughs) and film. Like, the credits, like, are glowing and shit. They really caught that Hollywood vibe. Um, It was the same thing in uh, My Man Godfrey. Like, I remember the credits being amazing. The opening credits being really fucking cool. And it just kicks off so fast. There's really not a lot of dead time for it being about, what, a 90-minute film or something? Maybe a little more? No, it's line after line. Like they, they hit each, like in each moment, it's like there's a quip. Like just when you start, like there's not a second to be bored. And as no. soon as they're done, they cut. Yeah, the writing is just like boom, 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 boom. And every line, especially um, Claudette Colbert, like they gave her so many good little lines. She has a good way of delivering it. I, I did find it interesting in that intro in the DVD where she pretty much forced the director to only shoot her from the left side of her face because uh, she felt like that captured her features much better than the right side. And it, and I kind of wish he didn't say that because while I was watching the film, luckily I skipped the intro when I saw it the first time with my mom. Right. So then the second time when I was taking notes, I was like, Oh, I'll throw the intro on and check, check it out. Take a, you know, notes or whatever. And so then while I was watching it that second time, I kept wanting to look at the right side of her face to see, like, what's going on in that side? <laughs> like, is it, is it fucking weird? Is there a, like, I have a literal bone growth, like, on one of my eyebrows that shapes vaguely like a horn. And my friends call it a horn because they're dicks. <laughs> and yeah. I do hair modeling, and every single time a photo shows up, that's always the side that's his face. And I'm like, I think she's wrong. Because they're capturing the horn side, and it still looks like a good photo, so I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I like your horn side. I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> me, I've I do I've always had a very split face, you know. Like even like a, you know, I have like the, the mole here, and that's always going to represent that side of the face. This eye squints a little bit, so it's like it's all fucking fucked up. Uh, it's yeah, I'm I'm the opposite of how they say you got you're supposed to be like uh, what is it symmetrical to be considered beautiful or whatever. That is not me. If you were to take both, if you were to take like one side and just duplicate the other side, I'd probably look like a fucking freak. I don't even know. It would look really weird, but. There's a filter for that. There is. I don't want to use it because I'm scared. Uh, Honestly, you're going to find out you won because ultimately it turns out if if one of us was just split in the middle, we'd just look really stupid. If it was like full one side or full the other, you kind of need both because like one's oversized, one undersized kind of ends up being equal in the end, apparently. Yeah, a little balance. Yeah, you need a little balance for sure. 
Um, but yeah, Claudette Colbert is awesome. She plays an Eve Peabody, and she's it's the the story just goes. She arrives in a train that's coming from Monte Carlo, and she obviously has no money. It doesn't. I think they mention later in the film it's like third class, which I didn't even know there was a third class. Which I guess it's like, hey, there's a bench. <laughs> enjoy yourself but she's on third class but she's in like a beautiful uh nightgown type uh not nightgown but i don't know evening, evening gown. dress and evening that is gown. gold that's gold yeah. lemay Ooh, man i i uh i gotta admit i'm not even like super like hardcore to fashion but seeing that it was raining i was like geez i hope that dress is okay <laughs> plastic does really well with the rain surprisingly and oh. by the way these dresses they'll never actually um get rid of them in fact they just cut them and dye them and reuse them in different movies so this dress wasn't even preserved after oh. it was finished they just put it into other stuff damn hey reuse so you know it's just it's the best way to to save the world and yeah, so she's she's all chatty waddy and she's like, Oh, I'm here. This is I think she was like, Oh, this is Paris and and it's raining like shit. She doesn't have you know, we we learned she doesn't have any money to her name. We learned later on why, but she doesn't have any mother money to her name. And we got this cabbie who's shouting out to her and asking her to see it. Like all the cabbies. I mean, man, the the cab culture in France at this time was strong. They all these guys are thirsty as fuck. I mean, they're the construction workers of the era. Right? Yeah, they're they're very, very in your face. And she's like, no, 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 no. But this guy convinces her. And I and I, I, don't know, as is, of course, a, a, was it Tibor Cherny? Cherny? We'll find out his name is Tibor Cherny. And in case you're wondering, Cherny is a Balkans name. Um, it, and yeah. as, as a black, last name black person, um, the is the most common name in the world once you account for translation and so cherny means black ah. and in hungarian and so um it's but the thing is it's not even hungarian this name is actually from russia and romania and particularly among russian and romanian jewish people oh. so if you're going to find some with this last name the probability is more likely they're that i looked this up it took a lot of effort and so when my friend asked me when i was taking notes on this He's like, hey, uh, do I make you coffee? And I was like, oh, please. And he's like, oh, one second. Uh, do you want cream with that or do you want a cherny? <laughs> I like how you have all the you did all this research in my notes. I, I put Tibor sounds like a, a rejected Mortal Kombat character. Tibor wins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but did you see how cherny is spelled? Yeah, C Z. Mm -hmm. e-r-n-y i think yes it is it's fucking crazy when when i first uh just you know i always kind of just take a look at the credits before i even uh start watching the film and i was like oh my god like look at all this going on we got a we got a jacques but he just goes by jacques thankfully and almost jack they say almost they kind of say jack like, they almost say jack yeah it's they could, and uh pico i guess or P jack pico pico uh, but yeah, Ole Pico, como Pico de Gallo, Ole Pico de Gallo. Yeah, and I like I like him too. That Francis Letterer. Yeah, he does. honestly, it's a very small cast for the most part, and they all fucking they're pretty much all bangers. Like they all slap hard in this freaking film. So. Okay, but it's really great because um, Don Amici is Italian, not Hungarian. Um, Jacques Pico is Hungarian, not French. No shit. And Claudette Colbert is French, not American. 
<laughs> That's insane. She doesn't, I mean, man, like, it's amazing how they pulled this off, you know, with having, you know, she's this New York gal coming, you know, coming over to Europe because we find out that she wants to, with her she, her and, and Tibor hanging out, she she just keeps calling him, um, what's she call him, Snappy? Skipper. Uh, <laughs> Skipper. That was way off. Skipper. Yeah. Yeah, Skipper. <laughs> <laughs> and they hang out and he she's like just trying to find some work just trying to find some money because she kind of does a little deal with him and at first he says no she says hey will you take me around find a job i'll pay you like what is it double 40? and a yes. big, big daddy tip oh yeah i like that no one's ever told me that <laughs> and he at first he's like no <laughs> get out get out of my face lady poor lady that looks nice but he feels bad she's pretty she's she's charming she's only got a newspaper to protect herself from the rain. So he's like, ah, get in the car. You son of a bitch. And <laughs> they go through the, the French streets and like they stop at all these different clubs. I like how the club slowly, like it start, starts at this grand club. And then slowly it's like, it, they eventually get to like a club my band would have played at. You know, it's just like, because it's called Chi Chi. Yeah, Chi Chi, dude. Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. I liked it. It got me going. Uh, I kind of wanted to see in the club. I was like, Chi Chi's. I, I don't think Chi Chi's means everything we wish it meant in other cultures. I know, I know. I know. It, that was always such a, a – I always felt bad. My friend's cousin, who was a little portly when we were in high school, his nickname was Chi Chi. You know, kids are kids, you know, just real shitty. I mean, okay, but to be fair, my nickname in elementary school ended up being the biggest blessing of the in my entire life. What? They called me Big Butt. Big Butt? Uh-huh. I've never seen your cake close up, but why'd they call you Big Butt? You, you were just rolling with some cake? Because I, yeah, dude, I got all the goddamn cake. And, like, it's one of those things where, like, it's like, okay, cool, make fun of me. Like, in just, like, ten years, this will be the standard of life. Yeah, yeah, that's like, <laughs> hey, Big Dick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Like, hey, y'all are making fun of my big schlock now in fifth grade, but just wait till we're in 10th grade. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> But, yeah, so he's driving her around. She doesn't get a gig. He offers up his place to her because he's 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 kind of um he's feeling it. You know, she's she's something different. Uh, and they she's kind of oh, like she turns it down, though. Because yeah, she's like, right, look, right like, I'm not going to be doing that. Like, I'm not so stupid. And he's like, look, you just clear it in the morning. It's fine. Put the key into the yeah. mouth. I thought he was being so incredibly like chivalrous and, and just gentlemanly and very like simple. Like, I'm driving all night, so I'm not even going to like be home. So you'll literally just be asleep and then I'll come home and then I can take you somewhere or whatever the fuck. Or you could you know, go somewhere else. Still says no. I think they end up getting dinner. He gets jealous because she's obviously like the most elegant, you know, lady in the ball over there at this because he takes her to like this kind of this place where all his other cabbie friends hang out. Okay, but this place is literally called Rendezvous des Chauffeurs. So like all there are are dudes waiting to drive a goddamn taxi. Like, yeah, they keep cutting in on the dance. I just caught that. I didn't even notice that's what it was. They should for because you yeah. have not watched this ten times. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And I even watched it all sober. So that's that's goes to show you, man. You you have the eye. But it, it, I love the fact he he distracts them all because he gets jealous. So he has some guy say that he's calling for a cab, and they all run out 
thirsty as fuck trying to get their ends and he's like well they're gonna be pissed off because that guy does not want to cab <laughs> and i just wanted to talk to you and have some alone and now they're beating up the living shit out of him which i love the sounds they're just like because you hear all the tussle outside <laughs> it's really funny like the, just right away the movie really does kick off letting you know we're having fun here you know we're having a good time we're not here to be overly melodramatic but this is where we kind of learn about their philosophies in the restaurant. We learn a little bit about their very difference in outlook in life. He, he like I mentioned earlier, prefers a simpler, simpler life, less stress, which is true. I think I think I've even read in research like a, this the amount of money where people like where they feel balanced in life and they're happy is not a lot of money compared like the more money you make a lot of times, the more stress you have, the more to keep that money growing. And Oh, I actually know the best statistic on this. What? So your happiness is not about specifically how much money you make. And to be fair, it caps out at 75,000 a year. Um, but more so your happiness is based upon um, the amount of money you have relative to other people who are in your immediate proximity. Oh, yeah, no, but it makes sense. Right. So if you're surrounded by people and you're doing like you're in the upper 90 percent, you know, like, sorry, the top 10 percent, you're doing pretty well. And like, so you don't spend time wondering how you're failing. And that's actually weirdly the actual statistic on success for that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I feel like if I lived in a different part of the city. I would constantly be reminded about that because I have like, I, you know, we all have those moments in our careers and our lives where we are definitely in a situation where we're like, well, I'm going to pretend like I belong here, but I know I don't belong here. <laughs> you just sort of, I think you'd be really good at this, Brody, actually. Like, oh, I feel no, like I, I'm I could... great. I go to all the parties in Beverly Hills. <laughs> like I go to South Central. Yeah. I go everywhere. And like everywhere I go, I seem to fit in perfectly. Yeah, you're, you're like a chameleon. Um, I can, I can, I can try, but eventually I'll, I will run into a wall and I will not know what to do. And then that's when I just make up a, I just, I actually, sometimes in these situations, I have a friend that I'll just send him like, it's like a quick little code word and he'll call me and I can just pretend I have a call and get out of the situation. I've, I've used it a few times. It comes in handy. Just collect stories. It makes your life easier. Yeah, I, I should. But, uh. Yeah, so so they they talk and he's he and he's so like already pretty fiery. Oh like, yes, he's so judgy. First of all, he says, he says I make forty francs a day. I need forty francs a day, and she's like, "Well, I I want to marry Mitch, Rich. Like, sh- you know, you don't just yeah. fall into a tub of butter. You have to jump." Yes, I like that um, line. And so at one point, she does almost land a very very rich man, a millionaire, but the family isn't happy. And so the mother comes to try and bribe her and he goes, well, surely, you know, you shoved her out the door. And she said, but how could I with my hands so full of money? <laughs> and yes, she gambled it all away in Monte Carlo. <laughs> she did. Um, and he's judgy as shit about this. He's like, okay, see, you got what you deserve then. He's okay. like, sure, you're right. <laughs> and she's like, no hard feelings. Yeah, I mean, and also I think she genuinely feels that Oh, I'll get another swing at it. Like, yeah, so I spent that money in Monte Carlo. Look at me. I, I'm I'm still fucking amazing. I, I'll get somebody else to do this. And she's just such a she's kind of like a you know, you have like your your con man. It's a con 
woman. I guess I don't know. She's like she just knows how to easily convince people that like she belongs, and a lot of it has to do with just the fact she's incredibly confident. She's beautiful. She's charming. Oh, and shout out to Claudette Colbert in this movie at thirty six. Wow, that is thirty six. Damn, that I'm thirty seven for record. Yes, yes. It. I mean, but I just feel like back then, I feel like you know, women may have aged a little. Fa- I don't know. Maybe it was the a, cigarettes. A lot of smoking. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Oh, they did this really fun sort of what they called like I forget the um the word before it, but they called it is one of the early facelifts they used to do, where they take hair at the front of your hairline and pull it back and clip it so your Ooh. face would stretch tighter. Oh my God! I bet you that hurts like a bitch. <laughs> it- but when you're watching early movies and you're like wow the faces back then were that just that beautiful i'm like they weren't you're seeing a very pained person <laughs> yeah they were like i can't wait to the next cry scene because i'm gonna knock that out the fucking park it's so much pain <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so she i love how she just fucking <laughs> runs away from this dude because he needs oh, to yeah, refuel <laughs> Stole her twice at this point. He at you know, first she's like, "Look, take me back to the station." He goes, "No, I'm taking you to go to f- get food." And she's like, "Okay." And now she's like, "Hey, take me back to the station." She's he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that." But we need to get gas. Yes. And so, like at this point, she's running. And like, if this were any other like movie, she'd end up being rescued by Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. By Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt saves her. Not Chris Pratt. Why do you have to do that to me? <laughs> uh, the greatest uh, Super Mario ever. Wow, okay. Uh, Just okay. really, you're mean, aren't you? Fine. Bob Hoskins comes saves her. <laughs> I would literally take the, that, that terrible movie my dad took me to when it came out in theaters. Oh, you saw that in theater? As a child. That is fucking cool. I mean, that sucks for you, but I mean, that must have been, you must have been so confused as to what the fuck was happening. That was a weird, sexy movie for a child. It is a horny film. Yeah. It's such a horny, I don't know what it really is. It's a kind of horny film, which is so weird, but it is a very sticky, horny film. (laughs) Like, everything feels sticky. It does. She escapes the car at the gas station. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. She escapes the car. He's busy. By the way. Well, another thing I really like about these movies from 30s, 40s is seeing how things were done and things were so much fucking harder. This guy's like fucking. He's, he's cranking. He is cranking that goddamn machine. And it's going up and down and up and down. I'm like, how do you charge? Oh, I know. It just, it's just those little things that I always notice. I'm like, look at that. Look at now a gas station. Like, it's sad that like you can see on TikTok, there's always like, footage of people that don't know what to do at a gas station imagine if they were back then they wouldn't know they wouldn't know what okay but did you see the newspaper attendant earlier who literally had a live fire to keep them warm in the rain dude telling you (laughs) like i mean i get like burn the leftover newspapers to keep you warm but jesus (laughs) it was a different time different time that's insane Oh, my God. So, yeah, she does run away. And he, like, it's so, what I find interesting about this is he's known her for, what, let's give him three, four hours, maybe, somewhere around there. It's pretty late at night, probably four hours. And he is like, you ain't going away from, you're not going to get away from me, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. And and the only reason she's not doing is she's like, look, I I told you I'm here for. That's not you. 
Like I've yeah. fallen for enough snub nosed kids in the in the you know instrument like section. Like I'm not yes. going to fall for you. You for won't be happy, and man. I won't be happy. Yes, and she says she she always falls because they always have that nose, a cute Fine. little snub nose, a cute little snub nose. And I think she was like, I mean, I'm here in Paris, and there's a shitload of rich people. I I need to at least take a couple of swings before I have to <laughs> get with this cabbie guy. Like I don't want to fuck with that. So I but, mean, uh, I totally get it. I get it. Side note here: I recently hung out with an elderly person, and she was telling stories about like her family because like. And always ask about their family because don't be confused. You'll find the most interesting stories of your life. She's like, and this one guy had a son that he was like, ended up like it was leg- illegitimate. And he had a funny nose. They put him with a nose of his brothers and was raised with his brother as his kid. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Just talk to everyone you can. The stories are great. Yeah, I do. I need to start using the public transportation more often. Oh, dude, that was my friend's parent. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I'm saying that's the be the best way for me to. to oh yes, no, like, but always yeah. talk to everyone. Yeah, I know. As a kind of introverted extrovert, it's difficult sometimes for me to use the energy, but I should do it more. I oh, really let them should. do the do. Let them do all the work. That's a great thing. It's true. You fire you get them. Started. Yeah, like, you get them going. Tell me about that. Yeah, I learned that in sales when I when I was doing sales in college because I needed money. I especially you know, older adults, as they like to be called, um, they, you got, you, it's weird. Like you just, you start them up and then they just fucking go. But it's, I think it's because they don't get to talk to a lot of people. And there's no filter. They're about to die. They might as well tell you everything. I'm going to do like, that. Okay. That there's a lot of illegitimate children in that family. And they're like, well, he was a professional wrestler. I go, okay, then. Well, yeah. You just never know. You really never know. Everyone's story is so crazy and different. And, like, it, that, that's what kind of makes me so bummed that uh, – and we'll get back to the movie right now. But it makes <laughs> me so bummed that there's so many films that are just regurgitated versions of other films or just straight-up remakes of other films. There's a lot of stories out there. We just got to find them. Oh, my God. So, anyway, she uh, – the rest of the she, film, she's kind of just, ba- like, ass backwards, lands into some pretty good situation, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She manages to wander away after escaping a cab with a guy who's abducting her for the second time. Yes. And he, she finds herself in a beautiful salon in, in a Paris. Um, but they're requiring invitations, which she just uses her pawn ticket for her luggage, Genius. which she does not have. Yes. And she uh, escorts her way in. And once again, it's just a act like you belong there situation. She's in this. She Luckily, the dress didn't get too soaked and her hair stayed nice and dry. So she doesn't look disheveled at all. And she walks right through, fools them. She goes into this place. But right away, she shows little little thing, little glimpses of that. She's not necessarily one of them because she immediately starts to, like, take her shoes off to relax. Because they hurt. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> imagine. running. Fuck, yeah. She had to run away from goddamn horny cabbie guy. And uh, John, this is where we get our first introduction with John Barrymore, which, uh, which was I also one of my favorite characters. He is a fucking cartoon human, and I love it. He will steal every scene. And the great thing they told you from the intro, of course, is that he's reading all of the lines from cue cards because he will not remember them. And I say will not because they give him the charitable of cannot or will not in the actual intro. But in reality, you have to remember he's a Shakespearean trained actor. 
So I promise you he could remember goddamn lines. He's just not doing that. And it's not like he gets a speech in this film. I think he has like two or three lines per scene when he's in it. So I, you can tell it's definitely like a... Uh, <laughs> okay, this is Marlon Brando in The Last Tango in Paris. Yeah. This, is the, this is the I'm clocking out of my career. I'm cashing on my name. And if you do not know about Last Tango in Paris, he at some point literally had the lines written on the girl's backside with lipstick so he could read it while he's pretending to, you know, copy. Oh, with your big buddy could fill all like three or four. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jason Caicedo. I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I love I love John Barrymore here. I, I think he uh, he plays George uh, Flammarion. Flammarion, yes. Flammarion. And I, I, he's perfect for this part because God, you look at him, you're like, you could just tell this son of a bitch has a lot of money. Uh, by the way, at this point rich. in the film, he's on his fourth marriage, and the woman oh, who runs the hat shop is his actual wife. No shit. No shit. When we get to the hat scene. I promise I'll tell you more about her, and I promise you, you'll be excited. Nice. That's cool. So she's there. They're looking around because they found out that they had a fucking pawn ticket in there. Not so like someone's in there that snuck it. So they're kind of looking around. She's trying to like play it off and clap and everything. And she kind of gets lucky because I mean, John Barrymore's looking at her like he's either going to fuck her or kill her. I can't even tell, but it's <laughs> he's insane. Just like, he's like, what's going on? What's yeah. up with you? But he's Which, not like, blinking. No, he's- <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But you're right. Yeah. He's, he's like, there's something and, and we don't learn. We don't. That's what I love about the film. It doesn't necessarily tell you everything right away. You're just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with this, this guy, but he knows something or he's thinking about something like you can just tell. And so he kind of like signals over uh, who, who eventually is Marcel and he comes through and he grabs her and, Oh, cause she's, she's going over to the lobby. Right. Yeah, because she thinks she's being escorted out, but he's in fact, get, yeah. he asks her to a card game. Yes. Uh, what, what are they playing? Black, backgammon? Or no? Uh, no, 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 no. That's, uh, that's Bridge. Bridge. Bridge, yes, which I don't know. I I've never played Bridge. I play Gin Rummy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a card sharp, actually. Mm. Um, I can kill anyone in cards. I do not know Bridge, but I do know, and this is important, Bridge goes up to a couple thousand points. Oh, Okay. Which I just like Gin Rummy. I just learned that like two years ago. I'm surprised. That's a terrific game. Although yeah. Casino is the best one. Two-player Casino is the best two-player card game on the History of Man. I'll die on the hill. Kind of one of my goals is to learn. This is such a sad goal, but I, I would I, I would like to learn more card games. I really only know Texas Hold'em and Gin Rummy. That's pretty much all I know. And, um, and I just don't have – you know what I need to do? I just need to have, like, we, me and my buddies just need to have, like, a, a every week or every other week do a little card night, you know? Just hang out, a couple of beers, play some cards, you know? Watch this film, just have it in the background or something. I don't know. Rich is terrific, uh, <laughs> and if you manage to make it old age, there are, there are more women than men. And if you know how to play bridge, you can basically, like, spend your the rest of your life fucking. I have <laughs> gone to old – people's homes i promise you i'm not in line I, i've heard i've heard just learn bridge okay and gin rummy yeah bridge will get you to the gap of older women <laughs> i don't know i'm sorry there's no polite way to say the truth gotta bridge the gap uh so that's what i was trying to say but yeah so they go in she we're introduced to marcel this is where we meet helene and jack i'm just gonna call him jack but you know 
they call him Jack because they're like, what do you think of Jack? Yeah, I mean, it's spelled like Jacques. Don't be confused. But this is uh, is back during the era when it was popular and you'd be corrected if you didn't to say valet. Ah, valet. Which is insane because we all know it's valet. It's fun to say valet. But yeah, valet. I think even in like um, fucking, uh, what's that fucking British uh, show, uh, Downton Abbey, I think they say valet as well. Valet's correct. Valet is considered correct by British English at this point in time because at this point we are ignoring actual language rules from the original language. Oh, they're just, they're like, that's the way we want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Like Schmorgasborg. Like we yeah. say, like we say, Worcestershire or whatever you want to say, they they call it Wooster. It's insane. That's so much easier. I, I'd rather say Rooster <laughs> or Wooster. Wooster. Yeah. I tried to Wooster her. <laughs> I don't know. And so <laughs> they go in. We meet a lead. She's obviously infatuated with Jack. Jack is obviously infatuated. Like man, this guy can't even. You, I think you heard a knock under the table from his fucking French boater knocking the underneath. <laughs> Okay, I do love his introduction by Marcel, which is like, and this is the most dangerous man in the room, a paid advertisement. <laughs> just like, just in he case you want to know, yes. your gay bestie is saying, fuck this dude. He, Marcel's full of like the weird, I think he's the one you notice after multiple watches because he has so many quick little lines that you can miss him very easily. And they're so good. And they're so good. Yeah, I caught more the second watch and I'm sure I would catch more the third or fourth, but he has so many fun little lines, and the way he says them is so fucking hilarious because he's so straight faced. <laughs> he's not. Oh, he is. Yeah. He delivers it. He's like, he's so absolutely convinced. He's like, well, I'm a telephone worshiper. I just keep yeah. waiting for the phone to ring so I could find a place that's somewhere with entertainment and caviar. Yes. It's so good. He really kept. He, you right away know his character within two lines. It's he's like, the boom. gay best friend to Helene. Yeah. He's and the like they, they orchestrate all their weird machinations with each other, and all he lives for is the gossip that might manage to happen around it. Yeah, and keep it entertaining. She has this great affair with Jack. Or yes, Jack. she's been working on him, and uh, you know, I guess, uh, I guess George is old news, but he he comes into the room, and this is I remember me and both me and my mom were like, wait a minute, she's with that guy. Because we assumed that she was with Jack. That's in the like the movie wants you to think that. They did, it said wipe the rouge job. off your lips. Yes, <laughs> it's very, it's it's so weird how like because like it's so awkward, but it's so like they it's an understanding between the parties that like hey I understand it's French. You know, I guess so. The it's French like, have been like this is the day one. If you want to watch like a French romance, they'll talk about how like this is considered part of it. Man, I guess like, hey, you got to really earn that love. If you start, if your uh, wife starts slipping away from you, just hire uh, some New Yorker to <laughs> distract the guy that's trying to fuck your wife. You want her back, get her back. <laughs> so, so yes, the, this is basically when the whole ruse comes to play where uh they george ends up asking eve like who she is and blah 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 she she says that she's the wife of baron Cherney, and uh (laughs) who's like because she just thought like that was the last person she just met and i think there's more to it It but sounds fancy it's not eve peabody it's Cherney. yes it has it does it has a 
a certain little vibe to it, like a little twist. And they're like, right away, George is like, oh, yes, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he, and he asks a few questions to test her out about Budapest, I think. I might be wrong. Something about like the subway he asks her about system. The subway, which literally, by the way, they are correct here. This, the subway in, in Budapest is the oldest subway in the world. And he's correct. And she goes, wow. the streets are still a little tore up, uh, but they aren't. And she's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so right away, he's like, okay, cool. Now I automatically have, this is what I think he's thinking. He's like, oh, I automatically have an advantage over this person. I know yeah, that she's, she's bullshitting. I can puppeteer her into this situation and basically make sure pull the strings in the right place to make sure she keeps this image and I'll help sell it because he's the older one in the group. He's obviously the richest one. It seems amongst everybody. I mean, the way oh, he talks he about Jack is because Jack is rich, but he talks about Jack. Like he's like, he's just kind of rich. He's <laughs> he a just, trust fund baby. Like, yeah. But he's not, he's not 10 generations of aristocracy. Yes. It's a whole different vibe. And he like right away, you know, Eve owes, owes a shitload of money for this bridge game that she said that she was like cool with. Because they're and... like, it's five francs a point. And I already said this game is at least a thousand points if you lose. So, oh, yeah. that does make sense. Oof. Because remember, the taxi fare earlier was going to be 80 francs when you doubled it. This Damn. is going to be like 4,000 francs. Man. Yeah, I'll play $20 dart games. That's pretty much as high as I'll go. I ain't fucking would know, like, fuck that. Um, and also $20 two-on-two basketball. I used to do that in high school, and actually I made some decent change for uh, shirts and, and going to punk shows and shit. It was perfect. Uh, so, yeah, so he, he keeps up with it by he puts he puts some money in her purse because he looks at it and he sees nothing. And I think he sees – She has um, a ticket. Yeah, and he makes this great noise when he's shuffling cards after he sees her third class deck and goes, yeah. <laughs> his noises are entertaining. Like, yeah. By the way, this of course is Drew Barrymore's grandfather. For everyone who doesn't know, mm -hmm. yes, no resemblance, but uh, maybe but, if he shaved, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like her mom took better, uh, but like her by the way, her father is Drew Barrymore Jr. And he, it looks like a budget Clint Eastwood. Oh. Yeah. Got no explanation for that. Well, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I mean, they're both, I mean, that's, that's both, they're probably both decent looking men in their own right. It just look very different. But because, yeah, George just, he kind of, in this film, it feels like he's also like in this playland. Like, oh, he is. Yeah. He just, I guess when you're that rich, it's like, fuck i can kind of do whatever i want it's not a really big deal and he's just doing his thing it's inter it's entertaining to watch him do it oh it is i love it and so then it's time it's time to go she's able to pay the bill no problem because she just miraculously and of course she plays it off because she's so caught in this she's like oh yeah i forgot i had fucking five thousand dollars or five thousand francs or whatever the fuck uh which only makes me think of hot dogs and i just get hot just got hungry I don't even like hot dogs. I'm just, you know, I just wanted to go. Okay, street dogs are fantastic. Do not besmirch them. True. And I do like a good Chicago dog. I, I don't want to mm. say I don't like hot dogs. I don't normally crave them. But I think at the time I was really hungry. <laughs> the first time they said, I was like, Franks. Oh, oh, yeah, we're in France. And so they're leaving. And Jack is like, he's he pepper her. 
Oh, absolutely. Because that's my friend described his behavior. It's like, look, is this like vaguely categorized as like the whole Latin love and lover spiel or that people used to do in Sarah? And he's like, no, I'm really Pepe Le Pew. And I'm like, no, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> he's so extra. Just so uncomfortably extra. But he's like, so where are you staying? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> just guess. And he's like, the Ritz. He's like, oh, right on the first try. <laughs> that was genius. That was a good bit. <laughs> and they, they go over there. And of course, George makes sure that he sets her up for the room, but she has no idea. He's doing all this in the background. She doesn't even know that he's doing anything. And she eventually gets into the, she's trying to get Jack to just drop her off at the front. Then she's trying to get him to drop, like to he's, leave oh, at no, the no, lobby. To the door. Yes, My, my mother, mother said to the <laughs> yeah. door. He's very and, insistent. And it's very obvious why he's trying to get to her door. You know, he wants to at least spend a little more time with her. A little nightcap. Because he asked for a nightcap. And yes, she's like, does. no, no, my mother taught me too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I like the way she tells him that one part. She goes, would you, would you just leave? <laughs> like, she's, oh, she's, like, like, she, she's like, do you not know when to leave? And he goes, no. Oof, man, yeah, yeah. Once again, I I feel like we're gonna be we gonna say that it's just a different time, but it it, it is geez. because like I understand. I show this movie to modern people. I'm like, you, you understand? Oh, like yeah. they 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 did not have a sense of romance. Oh, by the way, I love it because the guy here induced um this movie when I was in Tarantino theater was like, oh, she you know you always know her playing these shy roles, and I'm like, ain't nothing shy about it. No, <laughs> no. No way. And she does get into the room. I like that she thinks that she just happened to get a room with she happened to get somebody exactly. else's room that has her name. Uh, or that has her made up name that she created. And so she goes in and she's right away apologizing because she sees somebody. But it's just a weirdly placed mirror that faces the door. Which she's is like, why won't you talk? Yeah, why won't Jesus. you talk? Don't you know what you look like? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, don't you don't know you don't know your own silhouette? What the fuck? And it's a an immaculate hotel room. I I love all the rooms and and the the set decoration. I can't tell what's a set and what's not, but whatever, it's beautiful. It looks great. It's like what I would expect mentally. Like what I was expecting the hotel to room the room to look like was exactly. I was like, holy shit, look at that! Damn, it's fucking nice. So she goes in and she's like, okay, I guess I'm gonna stay here. She wakes up in the morning. She's got these uh, hotel service people i don't know what you call them i don't go to nice hotels i don't know what these guys come through and they're french and they bring in her luggage he's like what the fuck and the luggage is amazing the way like it pulls out like a fucking oh absolutely and it did it did because back then like you did just pack outfits hanging because if you didn't hang them they would actually wrinkle because at this point they're you're approaching the war which means everything is now weird plastic yeah wow. and actually it wrinkles like a bitch i bet shit i can barely keep wrinkles out of my modern clothes and yeah i like that whole part she's just i I, there's i like where he goes uh before we see it open he's like would you like me to open it she's like you mean before christmas Christmas. (laughs) it's like no one's that quick but i very much also she's naked this is important because this is 1939 and because she only has one outfit they're allowed to show her just shoulders up completely naked in bed and so these guys are coming to her room and she can't get up because, yeah. like, she's going to flash all of them. And I don't think they realize she's naked at first, but I think eventually they're like, yeah, this is weird. Like, she's not moving. Because they, they <laughs> bring her, like, a little wanna, gown. 
do one's outfit. Like this is this is a negligee. This is something you could yeah. wear. And she's like, <laughs> please leave it on the bed. <laughs> it's really weird. The way they just stand there and stare at her is just so fucking weird. But and then she thinks they want a goddamn tip. Yes. They're like, no, 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 no. We, we're our, good. Just like I took care of it. Um, we your valet's downstairs. She's like, I know, fucking leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they talk to each other a little bit, but yeah, so she eventually finds out that um there's a chauffeur there for her. And um, George, I think this is right when she's getting ready, and this is when George comes in and is like, "Hey, I'm the puppeteer. I'm. This is what I need you for. I have a, I have an offer to make you." And she's right away like, "Wait, what the fuck? Are you gonna try to fuck me? <laughs> like, what the hell's going?" On? Oh yeah, no, no. She has every good sense in her to be like, "I'm sorry." Like when the wolf reveals yeah. his teeth, he doesn't pretend to be grandma anymore. Yes, yes. This it ain't that kind of party. All right, Georgia, I'll throw you off the balcony, you son of a bitch, and. And he's like, no, 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 it's nothing like that. I just need you to convince this fucking French douche to <laughs> to fuck off with my wife. But there is a line here I do love, which is like, but when you left with Jacques, my wife was fighting off tears, and she goes, "Who won?" <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, she does say that. <laughs> and because she... Helene is a cold, cold woman. <laughs> yes. Yes, and she plays that character incredibly well. Yeah, just stoned, like stone-faced and judgy as fuck. The, oh, the absolutely. best judgy face. And so she does agree because uh, he, he tells he tells her, like, you know, Jack's family makes a great income from inferior champagne, as he Superior says. Inferior income from inferior champagne. <laughs> so good. And so, yeah, I, I, I did find it heartwarming a little that she kind of hesitates because i think i i think uh uh what's his name uh, cabby boy um tibor tibor i think tyranny tyranny i don't know i have to say it like that but he it's it rhymes with tyranny like tyranny so tyranny 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 Tyranny, tyranny. <laughs> like it's a weird <laughs> Swedish chef voice. And anyway, so she's like, she kind of hesitates for a second because I think she's like, man, I, I really did like that guy, but you know, this makes sense. This is practical. Why wouldn't I make this take on this opportunity? I mean, he's a single man. He's taking her away from a married woman. Like it's yeah. it's almost this is a fair exchange. She gets someone with a good title, good money, and it's not like she won't be happy. It's not like this won't be a happy marriage. Like it won't be like entirely for love, but it will be like entirely consensual. So she's you know considering this. Yeah, I mean, because Jack, you know, as a, as as I guess simple as as he is in a way he's super rich and everything but like he just comes across very as they call him a fathead i think or something like that but oh they did not not the Twice. sharpest tool in the shed he's sweet <clears throat> yeah he's and he's charming. attractive and he's charming he's and so, so attractive yeah he's a very good looking guy kind of has like a george clooney thing going on with some other oh stuff. by the way um if no one's seen this don amici is what they will prototype um brad pitt in babylon on so don't be confused. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at take a look at the press releases. He looks just like Donna Michi. Holy shit. Yeah. I got to check Which, it out. If you keep saying quickly, it sounds like Donna. I always thought his name was Donna. Like <laughs> Donna Space Michi. Yeah. It's not. Well, I did cover a movie recently where one of the characters' name is Molly, and he's an assassin. So, you know, fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> Name's a name, baby. It's all about how you represent yourself. 
obviously uh, they spelled it differently when they wanted people to know how to pronounce it because you don't understand that they use eyes where the e's are normally because it's it's italian so it's yeah. amici amici and so it's eyes not e's and so when they made it into the publicized version they just swapped it for e's hmm. that makes sense okay man the, the amount of fun facts you're throwing out on this podcast episode it's it's getting holy oh, shit oh we haven't reached the fun ones <laughs> So we do get to the hat shop here, by the way. You brought up the hat shop earlier. Oh, yes. And in the hat shop, we see a hat, the hat woman who makes the hats is talking hat about woman. getting a hideous spinach thing. Yeah. Um, And she wants to sell this, and she has no problem selling this. By the way, this woman is uh, Simone. And this is actually da- John Barrymore's fourth wife. And she is known for a couple things. One of them is being in a movie called How to Bathe. The other one is being in a movie called How to Undress in Front of Your Husband. These okay. are called these are called candid camera films. No shit. And, and by the way, she has a divorce when she's filming How to Undress in Front of Your Husband because her husband doesn't like her being in this movie. Mm. And it's great because I watched both these movies because there's these are very short films that are yeah. Vaguely lurid, but not very. I mean, you see nipples. Okay. Oh, all right. Look, this is saucy. Nipple action. This is saucy. No, I'm getting sauced up over here. Yeah. (laughs) And and so, like, the movie, they're like, not only does Ms. Barrymore, sorry, Ms. Barry, because at this point, her name's Barry. Oh, okay. Does Ms. Barry know how to get husbands? She knows how to keep them. And he goes, what? That's what's in the script. Because, like, she's in the middle of a goddamn divorce because of this movie. So she definitely isn't keeping one. The irony. By the way, she will somehow mysteriously... um, She films these three films. The ones I told you about and this one. And then she goes to Barbados to make handbags and never does anything for the rest of her life. That's it. We're done. You know, sometimes that's the best way to cut it, right? Why just fade off into nothingness when you could just start off with you know end it with the dope ass movie like this and then go sell some fucking bags in Barbados why not but it, like it's kind of fantastic like I love everything about this story and I love like the whole fact like she's like what I can't film a movie about like it's it's about how to undress and not have your husband lose interest in you yeah I like this I like this like this was like before um those you know those like weird yellow books that you see like at a Barnes and Noble there's like something for was it called like something for stupid people or it's like those books oh, yeah. that teach you shit that's for like w this was how to just teach oh, but like, it, like it predicts pretend is that but it really is just like a cute little smut film yeah. publicly yeah and i, I kind of dig that like she's in this and she's trying to sell a hat to helene and she's going it doesn't matter if it's ugly you're gonna buy it anyway yeah that's that's ultra like you know where it's just about it's just I, you know, kind of like I've seen some guys that are sneakerheads and they buy some shoes and they're like, yeah, they're so dope. I'm like, those look like shit. Like, <laughs> but whatever. Like, but they see it as like, oh, well, this is like, you have to buy it. So, whatever. I think it's that kind of thing. It's a, it's a status. It really is at the era. Like, it will because eventually we're going to talk about Hida Hopper, who's playing Stephanie. Oh, yeah. Good old Stephanie. And I have, I have so many notes on her. No. <laughs> I wait till now for a very special reason. So, we'll keep moving and I'll talk about her when we get to her. 
All right. So this is like right, right when we see that Eve makes a good impression on Jack. She kind of she's on the job now. You know, she's like a secret agent and she steals Jack away from Helene uh, very easily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, hey, can you, where's the hat shop? Or no, she's looking for other shops. She wants to do some other shopping, I think, or something like that. Oh, yeah. So she wants to steal Jack away. Yeah. She just, and he's like, on. you know, look, take her. You don't want to get it lost. Yes. Yeah. I like how Lily kind of plays along with it a little bit. Kind of like she's trying to save face by not looking jealous or anything. She would never do that in public, right? So she has to act completely comfortable with the situation. Oh, yeah. She's a married woman. Like, she can't pretend that, like, this rando dude is upsetting her. Yeah. Even though it's obvious to everyone that this super young rich guy that's hanging out with her every day. Like he's like her protege or something. I guess that's what she could say. I don't know. But oh, he's dreamy. He is so dreamy. Yeah, and his hair, the waves. Oh, yeah, the waves. They do their thing and they head out and they go okay, out on the before town. We, before we cover the heading out, yeah. uh, at this point, Stephanie comes in. Oh, that's right. The little twist there. Mm, Stephanie comes to the party and she goes like they're talking about how like she's the person who held the party and she's like, I'm being sued by the Archduchess of Mendola. It turns out she really is who she says she was. So I kicked out the wrong person. And at which point Helene goes, so Eve Peabody's unaccounted for. And she goes, well, yes. Um, and at this point, I want to talk about Stephanie. So Stephanie's played by Hita Hopper, who is a giant gossip columnist at the Zara. Whoa. And she's a huge hat lover, which is a weird note to actually have. But I, I need you to understand this. She had a 5000 annual tax credit as a work expense for her hat purchases. That was 5000 then. Do you want me to tell you what 5000 now is? I would I'm very interested. 250,000. Fuck. Yeah, so she she kept wearing all these hats so often and she never wore the same hat twice. And wow. so the the IRS gave her that goddamn credit. And so she was this huge gossip columnist. And when she described her house in Beverly Hills, she described it literally as the house that fear built. (laughs) And she ruined Ingrid Bergman, by the way, who had a child out of wedlock with Fellini. Whoa. Did not know that. She was talking to Ingrid Bergman and she's like, okay, look, you're not pregnant with Fellini's kid, right? And she's like, no, no, of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. And uh, then the other woman got the scoop because there was another gossip journalist. And uh, she then literally spent her thousands of dollars um, creating a PR campaign against Ingrid Bergman going like, look at this, look at this hoe. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah, I would imagine being a gossip writer back then, man. Just the amount of, because I mean, it was even more scandalous and insane. And I mean, it's it's always it been was. that way. But I would imagine it was it was a way bigger deal for that shit to get out for sure. Well, back then they bared it really well, and they were able to pay off people pretty well. But you couldn't pay off Hita Hopper because at her wages, it just gives you hurt her hat budget. Yeah, that's insane. That you can't pay off that, that woman because, like, I think her first job was like exceedingly cheap. Cause like she was paid eighty dollars a month, but that was like equivalent to a thousand. Yeah, she was doing pretty so like damn good. Money's going far. Damn. Yeah, that's crazy. So she's just in this film. Like, did she do anything else, or she she did she? Stick oh, she to... was in films. She's in silent oh. era films. Um, she's like, cause you could tell she's older in this film. She's at least in her forties. 
Yeah. Um, but she went on to keep doing films, honestly, partially because she was such a a powerful person. Like, it's yeah. not that she was loved. She was just powerful. <sighs> Damn. She could ruin your awesome. life. Fucking A. But she could get an audience because she could she'd tell all the real shit to everyone else. Damn, I bet you everybody was very, like, on set. Like, if she's walking around, you're just like, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to really consider how uh, how the woman playing Simone must have felt. Like, she's a fourth wife of yeah. John Barrymore. And she's in her 20s. Yes. And John Barrymore has a beautiful white streak that I'm fairly positive is natural. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, that that's got to be uh, that had to be pretty interesting. But it's crazy, like you know, when you're rich and famous, what you can just kind of—it's just like ah, nobody, nobody will question it. It's not weird at all. Nobody wants to bother anybody or ruffle any feathers. So it just everyone just pretends like fuck it, who cares? But yeah, that is weird. That is such a good tidbit though about um this this uh, Stephanie person that <laughs> her yeah, character's her. name is Stephanie. She is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, th- I love that this right away you see that little spark and in Elaine's uh like you see the little light bulb. She's like, holy shit. Ooh, this maybe could... maybe maybe she's Eve Peabody. Like she's yeah. on a cap or why not? Right. So then we, we catch up with Jack and uh, he he says the weirdest darkest <laughs> fucking romance like what's supposed to be romantic but it's fucking horrible he says something that he wishes a storm would hit because they're in a they're in a limo with the chauffeur driving around town shopping and he's like i wish a storm would hit and the roads would close and i hope that the driver gets hit by a tree (laughs) the chauffeur named ferdinand after the 1939 movie that just came out by disney oh yeah ferdinand ferdinand i but i did actually look up that movie and watch it it's a short. Oh. Um, and uh, and she says, he's like, I wish Ferdinand would get hit by a tree. <laughs> like, Jesus and Christ. And she's like, look, I'd love to do all that, but I wouldn't have much of an appetite. Not with Ferdinand dead in a puddle. <laughs> no shit. Like, he's like, I wish a pandemic would happen. <laughs> we would have to stay indoors for about a year and a half. And then you'd be mine. The Pamela Pew energy is just... Mm. It's so strong. Yes, it's strong. The scent. And so then this one cabbie who's very just amazing. Oh, this is the cabbie who's playing the piano in the scene where the the, uh, the uh, rendezvous des chauffeurs. That's right. Yeah, that is right. Because he's making think... eyes at, um, at Don Amici when he's like, see, everyone's dancing with your girl. Yes. Yes, he does. He does do that. There's a little. There's a little like you can tell with the cabbies. There's a little bit of like, it's very. It's very like, it's almost because you can kind of fuck with your friends a little bit, but your friends, but you're also kind of shitty with each other. And there's a little bit of that with them. I think they kind of like to fuck with each other a little bit. It's they're oh, the fun people for sure. Yeah, very blue collar. And yes, he's he got eyeballs her, so he right away cuts in front of the chauffeur and. They have this big argument or something, and he finds out that she's going by this Baroness Cherny. And so he's like, right away, like, well, I have a homeboy that's looking for this Because at this point, um, in another scene we haven't discussed, um, Tibor has said, hey, if anyone can find this girl, put five francs in, and the winner gets five francs. So if a thousand people go in on this, you get a 5,000 francs, and whoever finds her gets the money. And so this is a fun little lottery he's running where all the people are supposed to find her. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and this guy wants in. 
I've never had two things. I, I, I hadn't, I haven't yet met somebody where you know we 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 disconnected, and now I'm I'm wanting like I'm like fuck. I need to find this woman. And two, I don't know if I have the the ability to 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 get a bunch of dudes to put in money just to find this one lady that none of them are other than like one of them might get money. Like that is amazing. They must all have very bad gambling issues. <laughs> like, but I mean, like, I love it. To be fair, the description is a American woman with no changes in outfit with a gold dress. It's and enough she's to broke. work with. Yeah, because as far as he's concerned, she she has not ran into these aristocrats. She's just at this point, she's in around. different clothes. Yeah, he doesn't know that though, and he doesn't know that she's going by Baroness Cherney. No, he doesn't know any of this. So. Eventually, uh, the the cabbie's like, "I'm gonna be a rich man." And he goes back to the bar, and I love this whole back and forth where he he tells he tells uh, Cherney that, "Hey, I got some information. You're gonna want to hear this." He's like, "But first, a cognac." <laughs> he's like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "No, it's for you because you're gonna need a drink after you hear this shit." It's so like, she has a chauffeur and he drives like this. He tilts the cap forward painfully, yes. slowly, and then he makes a little teeth biting motion and just steers the wheel yeah. like with the like two fingers at the top yes and then he's like and like and by the way do you know she's going by and he goes her name's eve peabody and she goes no no no, no, no. he goes no it's baroness cherney and he goes i'm gonna need that cognac yeah <laughs> so good so then he like he goes guns are blazing now he's like now i have to find this chick she's using my name she freaking used me. He's he's just going crazy. And then um, uh, Eve gives George like a quick update. They're going to end up going. I, she's planning on going to this like countryside home of his or mansion of his where they're going to have like a nice little uh, nice little day and then have a nice little. Dude, say the location. And... It's Versailles. Is that what that is? <laughs> they're going to goddamn Versailles. Oh, I didn't know. I, I must have missed this. It is cool though. I like the way the place looks. It looks uh, looks classy. Uh, you could really uh, could really fly, have an orgy there. Um, you could fit into the east wing of the Cherney Estate, if I am correct. Damn. Oh yeah, that's what she says. She really she like because at first she's like holy shit, but then right away she's like, wait a minute, I'm, I, to be I'm, rich. Special. Yeah, I'm special. This could fit into the east wing. And that whole little scene kind of broke my heart. Where it actually made me feel for Jack a little bit. The scene where he's talking with with Helene and and about how he he tells her like, "Hey, I'm in love with you know Baroness Cherney." As far as he's concerned, and um, and she's like, "Oh, you're just you know you're just silly." And she like belittles the shit out of him. Like you're just you're just being a little boy who's just falling in love with the next thing that you see. You know, you're not really actually in love with her. And I kind of felt bad. I was like, oh. But she says, like, she's, she's just jealous about it and this and that. Oh, no. And she says terribly. Like, isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> like, she's doing the best she can. But, like, yeah, like, she's <laughs> upset that, like, his comb, like, her comb, like, the Baroness Charney's comb is in his coat. He's like, well, yeah. I can lie to you, but I have serious words to say with you. And he's and she jokes about, I checked this. Because um, he's like, I have some serious words to say to you. And he goes, she goes, I doubt you have six words alone to say and if you actually count his line before it it's six this is billy wilder by the way who eventually did the seven year itch um he did a whole bunch of other really highly acclaimed films and so like this is actually not unexpected of him 
Um, I am scrolling up very slowly. By the way, never that. good if you have a seven year itch. Let me tell you. you just okay, so um, he did some like it hot. He did double indemnity, and he did Sabrina. So if you're looking for like top class writers slash directors, he really knocks it out of the park. And so like he's nailing this in that it is exactly six words. That's amazing. Gotta love that shit. The dialogue is snappy as, as fuck. Yes, and also like Don Amici might have the best. It kind of like almost like Jimmy Stewart when he goes kind of wild man when he starts screaming at that at the the doorman guy at the <laughs> Tim the Tim Yobo of this hotel and he's like, oh, I find like where is he and he's like has all these guys honking he's like you can still hear him over all the honking he's screaming so fucking loud he would have been a great hardcore singer in another life and <laughs> eventually he finds out where she's she's at. Oh yeah, because he he goes to her hotel, demands to find where yeah, she is when they door the hotel, and he fucking screams at him. So until fun. he goddamn like he gets all the taxis to honk, and then like you know it's over. It's a good time, and then uh, we we get to the the big ball happening. Things are coming together. There's uh, we get to see some rich folks do the conga, which is always cringe. Uh, then <laughs> they're doing it with an actual skull with the teeth rattling. <laughs> it's uh, it's something it was to look popular. at. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Marcel, I believe, comes through with the luggage of of who this Eve Peabody is. He's like, I got he the luggage. The ticket. Yes, genius. Like that's perfect. Like that would have been the most. That would have been the best way to maybe you'll find something. Maybe there's something, and it is kind of a bummer at first because they're not finding anything. And then eventually they do find a, a, a group photo because she, I guess she was part of like a dance troupe or something like that. And oh yeah, it's a nice clipping women. of her, and she's with a whole bunch of course of dance girls. It's nice, uh, but the, luckily it's you know 1930 whatever, and the photos aren't necessarily the sharpest <laughs> ever. So they're like, we're pretty sure it's her. We're pretty sure it's her. And I do like the 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 exchange between George and Eve when. She's literally dancing with Jack during this conga thing, and he's talking right by Jack, but Jack just is so <laughs> fucking... It's by his ear. He, yeah. She should be the only one who hears anything. It shouldn't be her. It's the funniest shit ever. And she says something like... like he could kind of see in her face that she was worried, and she says something like... Well, he um, asks her, I, how is it? And she just crosses her fingers. And he's like, superstitious. Yeah. She goes, look... Every Cinderella has her midnight. And of course, we're like, oh, the name of the film. Yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, the name of the oh, film. Oh, they said it. I know, I took a shot. And uh, <laughs> and then, oh, and so, yeah, so they find the, they find the photo. Uh, Jack says some more creepy shit about going, <laughs> driving into the country. He's going to drive into the country, and then he's going to yeah. tell, like, there's going to knock on the door, but you're going to have to rock really hard because the way the uh, the val- sorry the butler is deaf, and then he'll introduce you to a little old lady, and he's like, and he's like, I'll tell her mother. It's and he goes, she goes, oh, it's mother again, <laughs> and he goes, mother, it's either this one or no one, and she goes, he's like, and the pale like the dawn will be pale behind the dew, and she goes, not paler than mother. <laughs> great writing here it's a real good little <laughs> that's a good little insult there but yeah and he, you could tell he'd be a mama's boy too like oh, he has oh, that yes. mama's boy energy oh yes it's the i will fuck every rando but i will have to bring the last one home to mom who will have to do all the shit for me being a fuck boy yep exactly 
And then that's when George comes in and he interrupts them. Jack looks incredibly annoyed because he's like getting cock blocked right now. He's like, I'm trying to get this chick to fall in love with me over here. But he tells her, hey, you promised me a midnight dance. It's now midnight. Let's go have a little dancey dance. And I, is there anything that happens in between? I just remember where Helene comes through with the. Uh, oh, I mean, this Marcel, point, like, right. George says, like, look, we'll deal with this best. I will stand with you the best that I can. We're going to deal with this. He's like, he's just like, and she's just as a set to jump in that tub of butter. Like she talked about in the cafe. That's right. And he goes like, we're stepping in a tub of something, but it's not butter. <laughs> That's this is where it's come. Like their little ruse has finally reached what it seems to be its end, and I was even kind of captivated at this point because I couldn't wait to find out what the fuck was going to happen next. And we'll talk about that next time on the mustache. I'm just kidding. No, so then, <laughs> so Helene <laughs> comes down the stairs with Marcel, and she's like, "Oh, I have information that you'll find collected in time." You probably There's have a, a name legacied in the history of rich and royalty, and but she gets interrupted, doesn't she? She does. And by the way, she mentions the Almanac de Gotha. I didn't even know what that was. Oh, you didn't? No, I I told you I'm trash. I, don't, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" And so I looked it up. I was like, "Oh shit!" I didn't know there was like a fucking directory for royalty for all those years. So you missed the Arsene Lupin reference earlier, yeah? Oh, oh yes, of course. Okay, so no, when 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 there's discovered to be a mysterious Eve Pab- Eve, Eve Pilati, they go, um, he goes, there's Chopin with a dash of Arsene Lupin. And if you know Lupin the Third, the anime series, it's named after Arsene Lupin, who's a gentleman thief who lies about his identity. And so Eve Peabody's joke to be an Arsene Lupin, a gentleman thief. Oh, is a gentleman thief just an attractive thief who's charming or? Think Casanova with money. Ah, okay, cool. I can. If I had put the work in, I could have been a gentleman thief. <laughs> you still can. You got yeah, time. Maybe. <laughs> so I, I do plan on hitting the gym tomorrow. And so. <laughs> That's not what lands it. It's the charm. <laughs> yeah, the charm helps too. And so they they come out with this. And then all of a sudden, good old. Tibor Cherney. Tibor Cherney comes through and he saves the day. He's in he's in this full fucking tuxedo. Okay, but the introduction is great. It's like introducing Tibor Baronot Tibor Cherney. Yeah. So serious. He's walking around. He's just like he looks looks smug. Dude, he looks like the personification of just a fucking giant boner just walking around <laughs> it's like i'm gonna fucking win this, this it's pretty amazing and this is and you think about it, like this is a guy that has just been driving a taxi cab for who knows how many years 40 francs a day and he really fucking <laughs> yeah because this is i think when we learn him and him and eve aren't that different like they if he wants to he can also play and and you know, he doesn't just need to be this simple guy that has a simple life. He can also play along. And so he does this whole thing. He he grabs her and forces her to kiss him pretty much. Yep, that's the first kiss of the movie, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. No consent. Just just a straight up. It's the 1940s. I, I don't want to tell you. Sorry, 1930s. I don't want to tell you. Yeah, and it's he's bad. attractive. I mean, I think we all know that um, if you're attractive, I'm just kidding. Watch <laughs> but... him, by, the way, by the way, watch him in the Golden Girls. He is still attractive in his 90s. I don't know how to otherwise say this, but like he plays as Rose's father in the Whoa. Golden Girls, and he is 
he plays a monk and he's still weirdly attractive wow man a hairline held up pretty well that's good that's good a good hairline will will definitely help when you get older um i'm hoping it might stick around sticking around right now and yeah so and i like that whole the exchange with jack because um helene mentions that her and jack had been pretty close in contact for the last few days and he goes oh yes you know us hungarians we get quite jealous or whatever right he has like this He's like, oh, but, oh, but don't you remember that that man that you saw on our honeymoon <laughs> and she goes oh, oh love i barely looked at him and he goes he's dead now It's so good. It's Helene so good. is so delighted. Helene is like, oh, you're one of those husbands. How wonderful. Yes. Yeah. She's just like, she didn't even flinch. So, yeah. And then we, we get kind of emotional now. We finally get a little dramatic as we get uh, George and Helene take them, take them back to their room. The party's pretty much ending. And uh, they go to their super nice little suite that they have there or whatever little guest guest room and oh it's the honeymoon suite that's what oh, yeah, that helene has pushed them into she's like look i'll get you a bigger room it's the honeymoon suite yeah because now she's like now i can get my jack back and, and yeah, jack him like, up. please please go fuck your husband and fix my life yeah <laughs> yes exactly and so then her and tibor go into it get into it and uh and he gets pretty pretty hardcore because he's trying to tell her like look i know you want to be with me you know, I know there's something there and she, she rejects him, but she does tell him like, I knew that if I went to your apartment and stayed the night and I woke up in your t-shirt that I was going to want to return the, give you a little thanks for <laughs> giving me a, a place to stay. And then the rest is history that she would be. Oh, and he goes, I'd have asked you to bury me. And she's like, and we probably have had a couple of good years, but then yeah. all the arguing and all of the money woes, she's like, like, I mean, with my parents, they fought all the time. It's they gave up. They didn't even hate each other. Yep. She wants to avoid that completely. She's just like, I don't want to make that mistake that they made. And it's it it, it is does suck. Yeah, she basically does. She basically just rejects his offer for them to be together, and he leaves the room, storms off, and they're kind of both on each side of the door. You have that little back then. It wasn't cliche, but you've seen it a bunch in film. Where they're both on each side of a door. Do you know the French story? No. So there's a French story about a monk who fell in love with a very rich man's daughter. And there was a wall between them. And they made a hole and passed messages and talked to her through this hole. Um, And believe it or not, it's actually the giant edifice of romance in France. Uh, Which is funny because, of course, he got castrated and she got sent to a nunnery. Wow. So this was the history of the first glory hole. <laughs> it was actually. No, I, I always think that every time I tell it, like it just was most people don't bring it up. I'm like, no, it's kind of glory hole. It is kind like, of, yeah, just a more heartfelt one. Um, but in a weird way, like romance just a door away is one of the oldest romances that have ever existed. Yeah. It's right there, you know, just if you just try. Just gotta try. Yeah, no, it's 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 touching. It's a touching little scene there. But then he just gets this little like he he might as well have just twisted his mustache. <laughs> I know, right? He gets this idea like I have a good idea. What I'm. Oh, he has next. the best idea. Yes. Yeah, so I have a screenshot of this idea. <laughs> quite calculated. But uh, yeah, so then it's the next day. They're, it's they're kind of having like a brunch almost. They got kidneys and gravy with omelets and chicken livers and shit. Like holy crap, these people are eating. 
and uh, Tibor comes through. They're all coming together. And Jack is just distraught. <laughs> he's, oh, he's, he's super he's, emo. He's so sad. Yeah, he's feeling it. He's like he's listening to Dashboard Confessional, and it's rough. Yeah, she, she walks out. She's like, you know what? It was very pleasant when he was Budapest. And he goes, wait, really? Wait, yes. I thought you liked him. Oh my god, you like me better. It's so <laughs> it's it's Twilight. You know, we're just watching Twilight. This. Is- <laughs> Just playing with their minds, you know. She's like fucking with them, and yes. And so then, yes, uh, T Tibor comes through, and he's like, "Yo, our kid is sick." He's not this how he's talking, but like he's like, "Our our daughter's sick." I and he finds out. You haven't told my daughter. We have a daughter. <laughs> Do you not tell anyone? It's and so like, funny. everyone's like, "Holy shit, she has a kid." Yeah. It's amazing, and he says that she has the measles, and I do like that Marcel has that little line where he's like, so sometimes the polka dot effect can be very becoming. <laughs> so I, I love fun. Marcel. Again, I love him exactly as what he is, an out gay man, which is so terrific. Yes. And he also, just the fact he doesn't, whatever he wants to say, he does not think about how other people are going to receive it. He's like, I just, I want to say it, so I'm going to say it. He doesn't have a filter. That's really But fun. everyone deals with it. The thing's like, George is cool at this, like, everyone is cool at this it's kind of yeah. the great thing about this whole movie is they're like look the gay best friend is about this old yeah exactly it's pretty fucking it's amazing like i like the way and he's just kind of like always around like how do you know he's just like oh, he is. around he and helene are just like gossip buddies they yeah, hang out they have amazing. fun they talk shit together like this is the best relationship probably in the entire film true it's by is the healthiest relationship that's that's the depicted. rest are questionable pretty pretty rough and so he, it eventually gets to the point where she's like i i need to i need to call i need to try to call and, and get a hold of i think because he says the mom's taking care of of the daughter i believe and oh but she does send off george being like hey look can you please find flight information for me please just go do that it's genius genius he's like i got you wink wink so he goes up and we get probably one of the funniest scenes of the film just because i did not expect this but no, okay, no one could expect it's this. Nineteen thirty expectations are so low. I once heard about a guy who played a ukulele and he was like, the great thing about a ukulele is no one takes you seriously. So when you do something good, they're fucking surprised. <laughs> and I feel that way about nineteen thirty films because they are terrific, especially when they start skirting with indiscretion. Yes, when they start getting a little extra silly, uh, because it's just something that I'm sure was really fresh a fresh perspective for those times and oh by the way look i love right here that at this point um jock says jack says um i love children like he's like you know what cool you have kids awesome yeah like he's still constantly like man he is the most thirsty some bitch for a guy that hasn't even gotten any yet he doesn't even know if 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 it's he's just so infatuated with who she is or whatever she's presenting herself as. He doesn't actually even know Eve. He, doesn't Eve matter. Just, yeah, it she's doesn't matter. Fun. Yep. Never underestimate fun. Oof, man. And so they go and they're on the phone. And I do like the whole thing where she's like, yeah, you know, um, mom wants to talk to you. Or no, she's, uh, we hear George talking as the mom. And then, and then the daughter wants to talk to him. And he oh, God, li- help me. You don't have any of these lines. I, I don't have them. What's wrong with you? Okay, okay. So she calls up and she's like, look, I need to talk to your mom. She must be terribly worried dealing with all this. And so she calls up and, of course, John Barrymore is answering, but he's acting as mother. Like, yes. 
as Tibor's mother, and so he goes, No, dear, it was just a plain case of alcohol poisoning. The baby had one highball too many. She was out all night. We found her in the gutter. <laughs> and so I wish I goes, Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. It's so wonderful. So glad. It's not even measles. And she goes, Oh, Tibor, the phone's for you. Would you want to talk to Francie? And so she hands over the, fr- the phone to him. And John Barrymore's still talking, and she goes, hello, is that you, Dada? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, it's Dada. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, send a kiss for me. And then, you know, there's... <laughs> and he goes... <laughs> and he makes his face of pure contempt. He does not like sending back kisses to clearly John Barrymore. Yeah. And then George just goes, da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. And it's terrific, because he sounds just like that. Yes, and you're, he makes this incredibly animated, silly-ass phase. It is, it is. I just didn't expect this scene to happen. And also, I, I feel like um, uh, Tibor does such a good job of reacting to that in, like... He is annoyed and disgusted. Yes, that angry face of his. And so, they, they eventually, they reconvene back <laughs> to breakfast. And he's like, fuck this. He storms. He ends up going back up the stairs. He does run into George. And George just goes, hello, Dada. <laughs> he's so like, talk to you later, Francie. <laughs> talk to you later, Francie. It's so good. And so then, like, all this ends up falling apart because the butler ends up telling Elaine that, hey, yo, the phones are out. Like, they're not even working. I don't know how the fuck that y'all were able to make a call and shit. I just checked them. She's like, and- you're, you're wrong. He's like, patently, you're wrong. Which I'm like, that's a that's a weak ass service position move to take. Just go. Oh, really? Oh, I'm mistaken. I'm so sorry. Just go with that. Me too. I would just go with the. I would be like, I'll just check it later. Maybe it's just some miracle happened and it's working. I ain't gonna fucking say anything. But he does, and so then Eve is able to ad lib her way. Like she's she's she'd be a fucking masterful improv actress because she just admits it. She that the phone wasn't working, but that. <laughs> That Tibor, his family are prone to some eccentricities, as she says, uh, which is white, uh, rich white for crazy. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, and that they have some episodes. And she says, so was it the grandfather for a wedding gift? What was it? A Set roller one skate? roller skate covered in Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> the Thousand Island's a good touch because I think in my notes I put gravy, but Thousand Island's it's, funny. It's one roller skate, too. It's not even two. You can't use them. It's so good. And she does the genius idea of like, yeah, when he has these episodes. If you confront him, he just goes wild. Yeah, you gotta act. Like, he'll destroy stuff. Like, don't confront him. That's literally the worst thing you can do. It's so genius. Did she say something like she, there was a time where he tried to. Yeah. (laughs) Which is because earlier Marcel was talking. He's like, when I was young. If you left my room, you wouldn't dare leave me alone with an armchair because I would gout eat it all. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Marcel, cool. Cool. He's, like, <laughs> he's, he's also like, when did my grandfather, well, sorry, my father fell off the boat in Capri? Like, we all were eating crepe Suzette's. And I'm like, he's like, that makes things better. I'm like, okay. Yeah, okay, it, he's like, it certainly helped the moment. <laughs> it's like, oh, it was horrible. It made all the something horrible is happening when you're like, well, at least I have a good taste in my mouth. <laughs> it's so insane. So then, yeah, so then Timor comes in 
and he decides to get in his cabby clothes and he gets in his Oh, she his sees cab. him. She sees him. And this is why yeah. she starts changing her too. She's like, he's it. prone to episodes of insanity, just so you yeah. know. And if you confront him with reality, like once he, I was, he thought like we were in Capri and he thought that he was a mariner and he called me a spy and he threatened to call the officials <laughs> of the government on me. It's insane. Uh, which it's supposed to be. And he comes through. I just, I think what makes this scene where he comes back as as himself and everyone's just being nice and normal to him, that whole juxtaposition of how he's like, how come y'all are like reacting to this? It's so good. Man. It's just like, we're terribly open-minded. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> it's a, it's hilarious. And he's just yelling and. Oh, he's screaming. He's like, I'm a texture. What do you think of that? Like, oh, that's wonderful. Please don't get angry. Yeah. <laughs> They're like sweating bullets. Like, please don't get fucking get angry. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of times where she, uh, I think Helena, Helena calls him like, by Baron or whatever. He's like, don't call me Baron. She's like, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm so, sorry. So, sorry. so sorry. Please, please, so sorry. So he get, eventually figures out, like, oh, you fucking, I forget, what, I forget what the trigger is where he realizes, he like, screams at her, like, what? Like, are all of you crazy? And that point, Jack goes, no, you're the one who's crazy. That's we right. heard. Yes. And he, that's, goes, he puts the oh. two. Yeah. She made up some shit. So, but then he like straight up wants to go at her and he goes fucking, he goes Wolverine. Like, oh, berserk. he does. And I just love that Marcel scene where he's like, he picks up this like kind of little coffee pot thing and he's like, this isn't no, no, enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very good. And he smacks him in the back of the head with this big dish. And uh, I like the whole touch of that. He looks like he's bleeding because it's in black and white. So it actually did kind of look like he was bleeding. But I'm like, wait, he got it in the back of the head. And Eve reacts to it. He's like, oh, no, it's just oh, the gravy. He's from bleeding. The- <laughs> but it's gravy. It's gravy. It's just gravy. From the kidneys. From the kidneys. And, uh, you got to love the movies where only in cinema can you get a good whack in the back of the head. And almost every time you're going to be asleep for at least 10 minutes. At least. I've taken some hits to the head. I usually come back pretty quick. I, I, Why are you getting hits to the head? Uh, yeah, back when I was young, I was football, skateboarding. Okay, okay, like that, You know, yeah. <laughs> I had my share of concussions. I have to ask. No, you had to ask. No, I do. Like, I don't. I don't know. Like, I have probably has to ask what the hell you're doing. Just <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe you're doing something more interesting than that. No, no, I, I try to protect my head now as an adult. I only have so much brains left, obviously, as y'all have learned throughout this recording. It's, okay, uh... side note, I did have a friend who was in a coma for three and a half months, and when he got out, they gave an intelligence test, and since he didn't want to answer any questions because he was bored with everything, he just kept hitting the space button, so when he exited, it said, you have third grade intelligence, and so today, he still does not know if the accident affected his intelligence because he just kept hitting the space bar oh god <laughs> well you know sometimes it's better to roll the dice why not fuck it i think he's, he's, like he's alive i mean he's doing yeah. fine he's not an idiot so like well, that's good I think we're okay it worked out it'd be funny if at some point he realizes something that he's just like holy shit i don't know this or i don't know <laughs> like, like but how do you know you're not third grade when you're an adult that's true like what's yeah. the measurement are we including like everyone yeah, I don't know. I've always found it very odd how they measure intelligence. But yeah, that's by the way. I when I by the time I went into nursing, they did fix that stupid space bar thing where if you just kept jamming it, it clocked out and exited you out of the program. But before then, apparently they did not. 
I guess not. <laughs> so, so a side note on head injuries. Yeah, I hope y'all like that. Let's, let's get a little side note there. But I so like for real at this point when we're back in the room and Tibor's in there and he's all fucked up. And he's coming too, but she's talking to George for a little bit. And George is like, "Hey, yeah, you know, just leave him here. You take off with Jack. I'll give him some francs for his wonderful input into this whole." Because Jack has proposed. Jack is like, yes. "Look, look, she's not married to this dude anymore. He, she's married to me." And yeah. just let the divorce happen. We're done. She's not dealing with this shit anymore. And now, of course, that everything's fully going the direction for Eve is when she sabotages herself. And now she wants to actually be with Tibor. But he went once she gives him like smelling salts or something and he comes back mm. and she's like, just be like, oh, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and he just he. I don't know what goes on, but he's just not oh, having he's it. Oh, floppy. He's pissed off. He's just, he's just like, oh, because you fucked up marrying this dude, Jack. Like, that fat head. Like, I guess you're settling for me. He's like, it's not going to work. He's like, it'll take two men pushing and pulling to get me out of here. <laughs> it's pretty fun. I like that. Speaking like, of glory he's... holes. <laughs> <laughs> and so he he's insisting, like, no, 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 no. Like, we're not fucking doing this. It's just because you failed doesn't mean we're having this romance. Exactly. Yeah, because he just doesn't trust that. Jack actually proposed like he's like no 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 this is a big debacle shit storm and you fucked up and now you want to be with me fuck you and oh and she, she says like are you surprised someone else wants to marry me which like yeah. again she's 36 but still Jesus Christ at 36 I, I'd still nail her at 90 I'd nail her at 90 true I would have, to, I would have taken that shot she's it's just a lot though I don't she's know she's fun she is fine but I I, I guess it I guess when I was younger, I would totally go for that. I would totally go. I am so much more like, I like me a good, like, I like a good adventurous person. But when it's a lot like that, I don't know, man. I, I think that'd be fun for like a short term fun thing, you know, like a little, it doesn't even have to really include sex. Just like someone you hang out with for like a yeah. month or two and have a good time. But I couldn't do it for a lifetime like he wants to. Or oh, no. To. I mean, and, and neither of those characters are lifetime characters. We actually address them as characters. I, I was more thinking of her as an actress, admittedly. Oh, like, yeah. Actually, oh, yeah. As a person. Like, yes. As a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. And so then uh, Tibor says, you know what? You can find me at blah, blah, blah at his address. You can send you me the papers because we're getting a fucking divorce <laughs> for a so marriage Jack, that's not real. Like, you're going to need a fucking fake divorce. Jack is not going to get married without a divorce. I'm going to see that divorce happen. It's and so, so now we get to have a divorce. It's so good. So, yeah. So the, uh, this is around the time we uh, we get to the courthouse, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think George has this little short little conversation with Eve. And she does she does tell uh, he does tell Eve that he met with uh, Tibor in the elevator and he seemed like he was in good spirits and he did kind of hint that he could pay him a little extra on the side if he just goes along with the divorce. And right away, Eve, that kind of catches her attention. because She's like, that's a horrible idea. Like he's not a guy that can get bought. He's just not that kind of man, which is why this whole thing unfolds the way it does because uh, Tibor decides he's going to represent himself, which is, you know, an and insane he's, he's, move, only an insane move. Yes. The same person goes, you know what? I'm going to, I can handle this. And he's all very calm and collected, too, which is why I knew, like, oh, he's got one more trick up his sleeve, this some bitch. And uh, it's so they get in there. I love the judge. Uh, who's that actor who plays the judge? I uh, honestly don't know this one. 
Yeah. But he was so terrific. Monty that mustache Lilly. with the curves. Oh, my God. Uh, the third mustache of this whole enterprise. He looks like an even classier Colonel Sanders. And Colonel Sanders already <laughs> looks fucking classy. So He does. He does. <laughs> he's got that vibe about him. He just doesn't have that. You know, he obviously doesn't have a Southern American accent. But he's a Colonel Sanders. He's a European Colonel Sanders. I, I love it because he's like, like, France does not do divorces. Do your duty to your country. Make children marry her and leave us alone. Yeah, he is. Now, he even mentions like something about he's like the Gordon Ramsay of judging of being a oh, judge. Yeah, he's, like, like, he's so like hard. What? You like the color of her hair? You, he left the, <laughs> the cap off the toothpaste. Yeah. No, you can leave here. This isn't America. This isn't somehow Ohio. Get out. Yeah, he mentioned something about spanking that, that some. Oh, countries... that's later. That You're is right? later. No, that is later. Because, like, because at some point he goes, you know, this is a really great law. And by the way, this law is a myth. This rule of thumb they they joke about in um, Boondock Saints. Oh, it's yeah. actually never a real rule. Like this is actually an apocryphal rule, which is it's never actually existed. Um, and it's the idea that you could beat a marital partner who's a woman with a, a stick that's no longer like no bigger than your thumb but this isn't actually a rule anywhere um mm. but eve is happy to go like look i'd agree to him beating me i'd be so happy to let me him beat me i love i love how enthusiastic by what she is she's like look that'd be fine i'm so i'd yeah. be so happy but like look he doesn't love me he's never said three words of anything encouraging not i love you not i believe you like when i told him that i would be a beggar for him he went is that so? Because again, Billy Wilder, three words. Is that so? Mm-hmm. There it is. It's good. She she has a good pleading argument because yeah. Uh, and before that, we didn't mention, but like the the lawyer that's that's representing Eve mentions like, oh, you know, he called her a gold digger and a fucking two 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 ton bitch or something. I don't know. But... Oh, he didn't like any of her friendships. He said bad yeah. things about her. <laughs> like he was unsupportive of her entire life. And, yes. but she goes like, look, I'd be fine with beating me, but here's my main argument. And he goes, you know what? That's actually pretty legitimate. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And, uh, the way it all comes together. Cause then Tibor doesn't contest the divorce at all. Oh, no, right? not at all. He's, He's fine. I think cool as, cucumber and he goes all i ask you is for some water the judge is like i'm not a waiter young man <laughs> so, but he does pour himself some water he does from the judge's glass and he pours into a glass but you know he forgets about it he forgets about it and they're obligated by law to spend time in 15 minutes alone in a room for because some miracle might happen where you're like hey judge you know what we're we just fucked we're gonna stay together thanks for putting that glory hole in and uh and so he goes in and then all of a sudden like eve is immediately insulted and hurt because she's like you didn't even like fight for me you just she's like what the fuck like i yeah. you told me you weren't about money you told me i was a bitch for liking money and now and now you're taking it cool yeah. like what's that about i thought you'd actually try you said you cared yeah i thought you were like this honorable fucking person that didn't give a shit about money and now you're just throwing me to the side so you finally get a little glimpse like all of a sudden she's realized that you were starting to see like how much she actually does have feelings for him and he's like, can you have a mirror? And he puts it on a chair. It's actually kind of genius that we thought of that. I would have been stupid and like sat out or something. But like he puts it up and he's like, oh, shit, I forgot the water. So he just goes in and he's got this the brush with the 
cream shit or whatever, and he goes, <laughs> he dips into the water. And he's acting like a fucking crazy person. He starts putting it on. He's like, oh, this stuff is even good with cold water. And I love how he bitch slaps that attorney. God, oh, with, so with his little, like, his little brush. The little his br- little lather brush. He's like, <laughs> now you're covered in leather, too. He's like, <laughs> and at some point, someone does call him crazy. He goes, ooh, I get very cross when people say that to me. <laughs> yes, he's really good. And so right away, the judge loses his shit. He's like, someone withheld some very important information about this fucking psycho person. <laughs> And I love that. Is it Jack that goes, it's not a violent case. <laughs> he just likes to pretend he's a taxi driver or a fisherman. <laughs> which is so funny because it's in Jack's voice, which is like this very straight, like just kind of the way he delivers it is so like it's it, he's he's given it such a straight delivery and it makes it so fucking funny because he genuinely believes the lie. Oh, absolutely. That he's this crazy guy that has like multiple personalities or some shit and so the judge brings him back out and he says, apparently there's like no divorces can be granted when one of the parties is mentally unstable or something like that, right? Oh, absolutely. That's a very, very old rule, by the way. So that is absolutely true in basically most countries. Yeah. That's why I haven't gotten, I haven't decided to get married. Because <laughs> you're never going to get leave. Yeah, I'm going to be stuck. because They're going to be like, this guy's broken inside. You can't leave him. Oh. Oh, it's you that's crazy. Oh, I'm wow, the crazy one. No, no, no. I wish you were crazy. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not crazy. And so it turns out she's stuck with him. And so now he gets to keep her. And she, and like, so it's all coming back to the plan. I think she realized, oh, this was the fucking, this was the fucking plan. Is that he accepts the marriage that they had in Shanghai. But since the consulate burnt down that year like there's no record of the marriage and so now the marriage is on file with a federal government as being legitimate and if they can't get a divorce it's now real it's now real and she lets jack down nicely i feel it's a very respectful way of like hey i'm not breaking up with you i'm just letting you free baby it's like look like you weren't meant to be with like you're she's like look you're gonna make so many women happy don't disappoint all of womankind Yes, I, I thought it was it was nice, and like he kind of leaves like, oh, you know, he feels like because she blew some nice smoke up his asshole, so he feels like a champion. <clears throat> it's really, you know, it's nice when a, a woman tells you something like that that you're infatuated with. It. I would imagine I've never had it happen to me, but I feel like it would be really nice. And so he walks off, and we do see George and Helena are back together, hand in hand, walking down the hallway of the, the Oh, yeah, because, like, he actually have a terrific line, like, um, during the proceeding of the divorce, where he asks, like... Oh, that's right. That's a little tidbit. Where he says, this means the end of Jack as an extra man. Do you mind very much, Helene? And she goes, pats him alarm, goes, surprisingly little. Yeah. Like, she's not gonna miss him. No. I think she was like, ah, I'm sick of this bullshit. If the, I mean, honestly, if anything, that would have proved to her that How's how who's to say this doesn't happen again? Some random person comes through and he just gets distracted once again and starts chasing her. So and I think I don't know. I almost feel like if she knew that George put in all this effort, that maybe that would be even more impressive. Like he put all this effort in to get her attention back, to get her, you know, get her eyes looking at his direction for once. Absolutely. Like just because like he after all these years, he still wanted to make sure that like he was the one. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. 
Then uh, Tibor waits, kind of, I don't know, he looked like he was about to jump somebody. He's like hiding yeah. in the hallway. <laughs> I need to stand by this because I wear vintage clothes. And uh-huh. so part of wearing vintage clothes is that I know what they're made of. I don't know what you think vintage heels are made of, but wood, but they're made of, of wood. So when you hear someone walking with heels and they're not with someone else, they're just walking by themselves. It's a very clear sound. If you ever heard a sound of heels walking forward, that clap. It's one of my favorite sounds ever. Like you would have known her. You wouldn't have had to look because he shows him looking to the side to see if it's going to be her. And I'm like, you would have heard because it would have been one pair of heels all by itself. Clip, clop, clip, clop. Like you would have heard it coming. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I, I don't know. They're just trying to make him seem kind of cute and charming. Like, oh, I'm looking around the corner. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that voice is for, but <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. You're right, though. I would have. I think you think it would have been very fairly obvious. But I do like the fact that he he kind of goes uh, into the way the movie started. Where he's like, "Taxi, right here. There's one right around the corner." Like, it's so perfect. He says the line like as if he said it a million fucking times. Because he's supposed to be a taxi driver that probably says that a lot. But I love that. I love that, that whole thing. And they're going to go to the license bureau, I think. To, I guess to get the marriage their license. Marriage license. They're going to get married. And uh, how does this movie wrap up? It wraps up in a cute little bit. Well, I mean, she asks, like, are you sure? Look, I can't promise you I'll live on 40 francs a day. And he goes, look, with you, I can't, like, I can make as much as I want. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be an issue. And so, like, then at this point, the judge walks by and the judge goes like, so what are you guys doing? Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going off to get married. And he goes, oh, okay. And he pauses and he does the double thing and goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, then we get the folding doors that go, the end. Perfecto. <laughs> and as you know, I like to do a quick impression of the movies we cover. This is the segment I like to go. Quick impressions. <clears throat> Quick impressions. Hello, Dada. And that's a segment, uh, Quick Impressions, <laughs> from the movie Midnight. I also was going to do, um, I just want some water. I'm not a waiter, young man. Uh, I just like that delivery there. But uh, as you know, Brody, I do rate these movies by, by mustaches. And you have the full Fu Manchu recommendation for Hell Yeah. You have the Walrus mustache recommendation for Pretty Damn Good. The horseshoe for and eh, not bad, and of course the dreaded Hitler burned this movie in hell. How would you rate this film? Honestly, Walrus. Like Ooh. it's a good movie, but I'm willing mm-hmm. to argue there are even better movies. Um, okay. it has lots of beautiful strong points. Uh, it's still stilted by the Hayes Code, which makes sure that morality prevails, which is always bullshit. Yes. Um, but it is a terrific movie. And honestly, the mustaches in this whole thing are pretty fantastic. We have the judge with the waxed curled ends. We have John Barrymore with his absolute classic vaguely pencil mustache, but not quite. Very nice. Um, and then we have um, Don Amici with the classic pencil. Perfect. And like, all in all, like, everything's kind of stand out on this. Like, it's beautiful. And like, it's not the movie you'll take to the grave. But it's something you'll be super excited to have seen. Yeah, I I agree. I give this also a like top tier walrus. It's 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 I had a lot of fun watching it. I I think the story was, you know, as you know, for as simple as it was, it was also incredibly just well 
shot, well delivered. Um, the acting is amazing. I did not expect to laugh out loud. I can tell you that. I mean, you you sometimes these movies will give you a little charming har har har. You know, like you'll laugh a little bit. Like there were some scenes that actually made me laugh out loud. You're and, watching the wrong movies. Like I know the 1930s may not seem entertaining, but if you're if you're not entertained, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna need more more uh, recommendations from you. To I just don't watch a lot of them. I mean, honestly, I, I just haven't had the opportunity, so I need to make that effort. Uh, because I'm too busy, you know, watching some other horse shit on the grind bin or, or for uh, the, <laughs> the Patreon for the grind bin Patreon. I'm watching a fucking game show or some shit. Uh, so maybe I need to make some more time to watch some proper films that are worth worth uh, putting my time toward. But uh, no, I had a great time with it. Top tier walrus, um, fantastic mustaches, like you said. I mean, and also. You know, not not like I know you've you've spoken about how a lot of times mustache men or mustachioed men were stereotypically usually evil or conniving if they had a mustache. And I mean, you know, for as um kind of hardcore as <laughs> as as the characters, the main protagonist is, uh, he's uh he's actually quite charming, and he's all it's all about just love and finding finding that love and getting it. And yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's a pretty awesome character. Yeah. By the way, this was a Barbara Stanwyck vehicle that ended up being taken over by Claudette Colbert. Oh, wow. I wonder how and different it would have been. Again, I'd love to find a Barbara Stanwyck film to show you um, with a mustache to make sure I could you know, validate it. But um, her work was fantastic. I think like Everson, she made, and you have to remember, this is a woman. Mm -hmm. this is important because women had limited shelf lives in hollywood she made over 89 films that's a lot like that's a lot especially for a woman in who started her career in the 30s yeah that's amazing and she is like if you're going like she has to be in a film with mustaches because there's been 89 films like it has to have happened but if you're looking for like something incredible she was the one of the original strong female castings that they used to do okay and claudette okay. Colbert was a follow-up she also eventually would do um uh it happened one night with uh clark gable which would in the win academy award it was the she actually still holds the record for um actress with the most nominations in one year she had three nominations for three different films in which she was best actress in that's bonkers no, like Damn. she's she's great, but like there's there's a lot going on in this film for like talent. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, this it's just uh it boils over with just so so many of the characters just, just knock it out the park, like I said earlier. So I would highly recommend if y'all have not seen this film, like I said in the beginning, please give it a watch. Midnight, so much fun. Brody, thank you so much for bringing this to the podcast, Dio. Is there anything you'd like uh, any of the listeners to know about? Anything you're working on, and how if the how they can if you want them to follow you, you can let them know your info on, on Instagram, whatever. If not, fuck off. They don't need to know. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> um. So I got this wonderful copy that I watched at Cinephile Video Movie Rental in off of Santa Monica in Los Angeles. They are a terrific rental place that actually still rents videos. And they carry every single thing you humanly imagine, um, either from Grindhouse to um, the critically acclaimed and the Criterion Collection. 
Um, also, I am Illuminated Barber on Instagram. I am a blood platelet and kidney donor, a living kidney donor. And if anyone is interested in any of those things, it would be the blessing of my lifetime to talk to someone else who's interested in saving a life. Hell yeah. That's Brody for you. She's just saving lives and making look <laughs> making people look better and teaching me a lot of things. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Appreciate you sharing all the all the info you had for this one that made it so, so much fucking fun. Like we were actually aiming to make this episode shorter, but there was too much good stuff. I can't, what am I going to do? Shut that this off. This is the shortest I've gone. So just accept that you've done well. All right. I will. I'll take the W, but until uh, <laughs> next time y'all. Bye. Tell everyone. Bye Brody. Goodbye Brody. Oh, ooh, that was kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs>